Welcome to Travolting. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Blowout. With very special guest, Mark Tilly. Let's begin. We're recording. Are we? Yeah. Are you sure? I heard the beep. Mark heard the beep. A second. I didn't hear the beep. Because you don't have headphones on. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this episode of Travolta. As you have just heard in that intro, we are covering the film Blowout today, and we are joined by a very special guest, Mark Tilly. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. He's here. He's in the house. That's Mark, for folks who <laughs> blow out the microphone there. As always, uh, joined by Stuart. Hey, folks. Happy to talk about a film about a sound recordist. Yeah, you, the, the one and only. The one and only. Yeah. I'm so glad there's a movie about a sound recordist. Yeah. I mean, have you ever discovered any murder plots in your time as Location Sound? Um, No, but there's a great HBO documentary. Um, I've already lost interest. <laughs> <laughs> but the sound recording in Blowout is so like, he makes it seem like so simple and not simple, but like. There's like no disruptions. Everything yes. is the most peaceful sound recording. It's all like nature. Like, yeah. It's not what it's I It's so get. analog. Whenever and, like, I go out in the middle of the woods and I'm like recording anything, it's usually like I hear a bunch of like not pleasant things. <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, so I do want to talk about this you, HBO documentary for people. You hear like we'll let you do it. Werner Herzog being like, you don't hear the, the peaceful sounds of the forest. You hear the, the fornication, the, the death of the jungle. I'm going to move this mic a little bit closer to you, Jeff, just because it is. A this little... is already a buck wild. Episode. He's in action. Oh my no, gosh. but okay. This HBO documentary, um, I got to figure out like what it's called. Um, but basically. It's probably just called like the sound recordist. No, it's not. It's sound. <laughs> it's like um, you're talking about them. It is about this murder uh, mystery about this guy who got away with it. No, like, I don't. He um, supposedly killed three people. Like. He was confirmed he killed one person, but he was found not guilty out of a self-defense thing, which was really dumb because he butchered the body. But anyway, he was also hmm. suspected for two other murders. Folks on the who listening, like, type in the comments what the name of this documentary is. I'm too lazy to look it up. But anyway. Or the email very us, end, revoltingpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, at the very end of the documentary, like, they have this, like, evidence against him, like, the documentary crew, and they're asking him about it, and he's, like, denying it, denying it. And I think, okay, I think we're done. So then he, like. Oh, oh it's the jinx. That's what it yeah. is. Called the James. Okay, there we go. So Isn't he the goes. James Franco show? No, it's not the James Franco show. Oh. So the guy then has to like. Oh, is there a bathroom the... nearby? So he goes to the bathroom. He has his lav still on. Yeah. And while he's like peeing in the urinal, they pick up on the audio recording. The guy saying like, "Oh man, they got you. I'm caught. I, I did it. I did it. I killed them all." And it's it was cap- <laughs> like the sound recorders got it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's why I really like Blowout for that reason. <laughs> I mean, this, this is pretty much the, the fictional version of that. It is a fictional version of that, yeah. Also, like, the James Franco show is called The Deuce, not not The Jinx. Yeah, not The Jinx, but... Remember very, very remember the last time we did an episode uh, with Brian De Palma as a director, and we said it, like, 50 times? Yeah, this is a movie directed by Brian De Palma. Came out in 1981. Uh, came out in 1981. It's called Blowout. Directed by Brian De Palma. Yes, indeed. Just making sure Can't we confirm. get started 1981. on 1981. 
a year after we have officially entered the 80s. <laughs> we have entered the 80s. That's right. I mean, we entered the 80s, I think, with Moment by Moment. Uh, no, I mean, oh, it was Urban Cowboy. Urban Cowboy was, was like 80. the 80s, but that movie, like, it like didn't it was shot it, it in 79. Did, it didn't probably. feel like the, a new generation. It just felt like Saturday Night Fever, but in Texas. This feels I'm like with 80s. a mechanical bull. This, yeah. this is this is the beginning of the 80s. Yeah. Um, is very, Moment by Moment his first movie after his Oscar? Um, Greece. Greece. Greece, well, Greece, Greece. Nomination. Greece kind of, yeah, Greece came out, I believe, he was filming Greece during the nomination, I believe, and sure. it came out after he was nominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's And then right. Moment by Moment was like the sophomore slump. Mm-hmm. It was just him getting out of that contract with uh, Robert Stigwood. I only remember dinosaurs in that movie. Oh yeah, there were dinosaurs. Was there? No, wait, there weren't any dinosaurs. This is how much I remember this movie. But John Travolta and you've listened to this episode, you know <laughs> his name is Strip Mark. Moment by moment, John Travolta's character name moment by moment is his name is Strip. Strip. What's Harrison. that movie about? Moment by moment is a movie about. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it's this. About John Travolta and Lily Tomlin. Ooh. Um, and the they come across each other on the street, and then the movie more or less ends. They just kind of start sleeping together. And I the whole movie. refuse to believe Lily Tomlin's in a bad movie. I, I have bad. I have <laughs> bad news for you. It is also directed by her wife. Okay, uh, Jane Wagner. Jane Wagner. But it was the only movie she ever did. You know. Also, going back to Blowout, um, when I looked at the credits, it's there's a co-director here. Is there? Yeah, John G. Fox on IMDb. If you look up the movie on IMDb mm-hmm. in the director field, there's two directors credited: Brian De Palma and John G. Fox. I looked him up and like this is his only feature that he's ever supposedly directed everything else it's like he directed like maybe a tv episode or wrote for a tv episode but it's a very short list so i'm like is it in like the like assistant directors category in mdb like where they put like the ad's and like the second Uh, unit guys no it's more like producer and like writer like it's a very short list of what he's done and i think the last thing he did mm-hmm. was maybe something two years after the after blowout and then nothing else hmm. i'm like investigating this, this. yeah john, yeah, john G- G- second unit he's the second unit director but he's listed but he's at top he's, yeah. he's listed at top with yeah. brian de palma huh fascinating yeah maybe but, second unit was a sizable part of this maybe he was the producer of a tv special called honky what if this is like one of those fake IMDb things? <laughs> what if this guy is not real? Could be. Well, I feel like I had the credits pulled up on my on that movie. Boo boo. Speaking of IMDb credits, uh, I watched Minari over the weekend. Lovely movie. Lovely movie. What? Minari. It's a uh, film film that just came out. Do you like sobbing? Um, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I like sobbing. A <laughs> uh, great movie. But I looked up the kid in it. The uh, kid Alan S. Kim. He's like ten years old. He plays David in the movie. My goddamn Has hero. The single cutest IMDb page I've ever read. Mm-hmm. It is written like a high school book, like a play report. Like you know how I'm like they're like, yeah, write your bio for the play booklets that we're passing out. Yeah, I'm reading it over your shoulder. The, oh my god. This this kid, uh, this ten year old little boy, his IMDb bio is Alan S. Kim, who plays the role of David and Minari, is thrilled to make his film debut. Recently, he was shown in the National Campaign of Pottery Barn Kids. Alan is in the second grade, and his favorite subjects are math and science. Oh my God. He also loves riding a bike and making something creative in his free time. Is that not the cutest shit you've ever heard in your life? 
Jesus Christ. Oh, man. <laughs> so, blowout, guys. Oh, yeah. So, blowout. Um, blowout. Yes, blowout. Extremely hype movie. Directed by Brian De Palma. Directed by Brian De Palma. Came out in 1981. 1981. Um, in the arc of Travolta's career, yeah. which we have been tracking with this show, uh, that is our primary reason for existence um it's coming shortly after his work in urban cowboy and moment by moment that Which, you folks have recently listened yeah, to moment, moment by moment not a success urban cowboy a decent success after his uh oscar nomination with saturday night fever and like huge popular success between welcome back cotter a show we're never going to cover and grease <laughs> fuck you guys i think we're <laughs> ready to cover welcome back cotter uh, if, you, if you thought we were you were wrong get out um, we don't moment, want you here moment by moment but after his tremendous <laughs> success in those uh, moment by moment was a bit of a stumble urban cowboy was a back to basics return to form for him it's pretty much just saturday night fever but in texas but in texas yeah i mean i said that like three times already but uh after that uh his old collaborator brian de palma who we worked with on carrie yeah decides you know i have an idea for this guy uh in a role he's never done before and i would very much say to me this feels like travolta's first adult performance interesting he feels like a kid up through mm-hmm. urban cowboy it, in every movie yeah like even in moment by moment he's playing like greasy's literally playing a teenager yeah Saturday Night fever he says he's like 18 or something 18 19 moment yeah. by moment he's like a runaway he, kid he's a runaway kid even if he is an adult he's never grown up right uh, he stops being an adult in urban cowboy when he shaves the beard true um, he becomes a baby in that yeah he literally becomes a baby who just beats his wife for the majority of the movie yeah that's actually a really good point yeah this, this really feels is like his first, first adult, adult roles and i think it's hugely important for his yeah like, pauline kale said the same thing in her oh yeah in her I... review of the film she said playing an adult his first and an intelligent one he has a vibrating physical sensitivity like that of the very young brando i miss pauline kale right uh but uh yeah so i think it's very interesting in terms of how his career is mm-hmm. going at this point that he's finally graduating into a an adult performance, yeah. as we'll say. But then his career pretty much completely plummets after this. Yeah, and we'll obviously get into that. But, you know, this movie had a revival in the 90s. Yeah. Because, like, when it first came out, it did not do well in the box yeah. office. People were not going to see this twice because of its ending, which we'll talk about. But it, it we really got to credit yeah. one person. That's Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. Quentin Tarantino is the reason this movie made, like, a comeback. And it's like finally being hailed as like Brian De Palma's secret masterpiece. Carried that mm-hmm. shit on his back. Yeah. Well, that, and this was part of the reason why he really considered Travolta for Pulp Fiction role yeah. was because he loved him in this movie. And it, like you said, like he was being slept on a little yeah. bit as an actor. Well, before we get too much into what this movie mm-hmm. does and its impact and all that, yeah. let's just get into the movie, shall we? Let's talk about the movie. The and movie. Talk about the perfect beginning. Oh, the, this the, is the best, like, the start of the movie, oh, it's really good. We're talking about that, that um, like fake movie. Sure, <laughs> no, the the fake movie, but also the the film waste pictures, like like logo fanfare <laughs> with all of its like yeah. popping out the lights and stuff like that. I was just like, this is the best studio film logo I've ever seen. What what production company is this? The best ever though is obviously Orion. Orion, I got to go with Orion. Yeah, oh, I was gonna go with the... Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> just sure. the, Tommy Wiseau and all of his like repeat <laughs> name, and then the the fu- the fucking tree in Blade Runner. I think it's the log company. It's just the tree <laughs> that just builds and builds. Oh yeah, number three for me. Number three, but the beginning. 
Yes. Um, so Filmway's logo pops up. Uh, Filmway's, are they still around? Probably not. I feel like, yeah, I feel like every time I look up a company from the 80s, it just does not exist anymore. Oh, and then the, what else do they do? The Wikipedia just starts with Filmways was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they do not exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they, kind of did a bunch, they, they did a bunch of TV shows. Sure. The last movie they did was called Summer Lovers. Which was a Travolta and Olivia Newton-John film. have quite the scandalous poster. Yeah. There's no John Travolta. Oh, wait. Get it out. Am I thinking of a different film? Oh, it was. Wait, wait, wait. It was directed by Randall Kleiser, our friend from Greece and Boy in the Plastic Bubble. Wow. Randall, what are you doing, man? All the people at home right now are so interested in me talking about this <laughs> movie. <laughs> that Summer happened, Lovers. That happened to be the end of the Filmways brand. Yeah. But yeah, so... <laughs> so Filmways logo. Uh, yeah. Um, before we start with the opening of the movie, I did have a pretty interesting fun fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is... Tell us. Part a remake of a Michelangelo Antonioni. Which Blow is fun, Up. There's a fun name to say. Movie called Blow Up. Blow Up. From the 60s, right? Yeah, from the mm-hmm. 60s. Except in that one, it's photographs instead of sound. Yeah. I was going to watch it this morning because it was on HBO Max like, last night. And then I went to watch it this morning. Gone. <laughs> I was so pissed. It's a conspiracy. It disappeared. I, know. No, I was really going to do my homework. But... It's a conspiracy. Right. Yeah, yeah, so it's an adaptation uh, see, or yeah, remake. It's a slight of remake Blow of that up. movie. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, Brian De Palma brought on his collaborators, John Travolta, Nancy Allen, to make this movie. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk about Nancy Allen. Yeah, I like her in this. Oh my God. I, I can, don't like her. I can oh tell we might God. be having some beefs on this one. Uh, we might be. We uh, might be. Yeah, the movie starts as, yeah, uh, with a fake movie. With a fake movie, which I did not realize. So as soon as this movie starts and I hear like the monster breathing, I'm like, mm-hmm. the fuck is this intro? Yeah. Yeah. They're like, and then like gets to the sorority house. Yeah, and it's like v- VHS like quality up on yeah. the screen. I'm like, is this home movie going to look like this? Is? But I it, Criterion yeah. did a remaster. Right. And so um, we're going through a sorority house with like a peeping cop, but like this uh, VHS video footage is from the perspective of a killer. Yeah. Yeah. And he walks up behind a cop who's like staring at some new uh sorority girls yeah. yeah and he stabs the cop yeah and then he just stands outside the window and everyone's looking out the window yeah. and, and they people don't see, him. see him like some well, one per- one person sees one him. girl does see him like and they're in the middle of having sex and she sees him and it's like oh my god <laughs> but with like the uh, like somebody. effect of like hey quit it <laughs> <laughs> and by the way like for whatever reason like that scene is weird because like it's supposed to like imitate coitus, but they both have underwear on. And I'm just like, I mean, it's so red. I couldn't tell. Right. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. You know what the, like the bet I wrote is this guy invisible because no one's seeing <laughs> him. Um, but then he does get in and he, uh, walks, walks right in, around a girl into the, he just walks around and like, that's when I was like, is he really invisible? Cause no one's seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. He's walking around with a knife in his hand. Yeah. And then we see his reflection in the mirror, and it's and like, he looks like that, that. Is, and you're like, no one's ever seen a guy who looks like that. <laughs> that is the funniest part of this whole movie, is when the guy looks in the mirror and he just like has this, <laughs> he has this yeah, weird he has expression this on weird his face. Expression. Well, he's, he's like, got like this green like wearing, jacket on he's with like, a bellhop uniform. Yeah, and he's got glasses, and he looks he's, he's a little overweight too, and all that stuff. And it's like, what is the fuck is this? It's like Stephen Root from Office Space. It's kind of what he looks <laughs> like too. He's like, 
So then he turns his gaze to the girl who's showering right now. A shower? Shower. <laughs> Never had De Palma riffing a on a shower scene? <laughs> I know. Next, there's going to be some violin strings in here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so walks and, up to her with with a knife, and then she screams. And yes, she screams. That scream. Can we let's let's all three do our best impression of what this is? Should we do it at the same time? No, it's okay, like we gotta fine. go one at a time. And so this this is my version of when we hear the scream. It's like, oh, <laughs> uh, Jeff, Jeff, <laughs> Mark. <laughs> so needless to say it's a bad scream yeah it's a really and, bad scream and then we break the world of the movie yeah. into the sub i mean we break the sub movie into the movie into the actual movie which is john travolta who is a sound technician um post oh, mark did you pull up the whole script so if i wanted to bring up fun fact that whole sequence is eight pages in the script <laughs> wow <laughs> it's eight pages there's a bit more but like it's i think he just writes very detailed like every step and corner of disguise he's a a very like he'll he'll, like describe rooms in his script he's very like oriented maybe three minutes in the yeah it's eight pages barely amazing so um yeah john travolta is a sound technician and um he's sitting next to the director they're in this like little post sound mixing stage or theater you might say and they're going through like the film which is a film we saw which is a film that they're making in this world yes and they're talking about this horrendous scream and the director's like did you fucking make that with a cat or something (laughs) he's like that's her scream he's like that's you screaming john (laughs) it's like that is the that is the actress's scream right there it's like play that back isolate it and then he does the whole technical gizmo thing plays it back and sure enough that scream is the actress so it's like got to get a better scream which mm. might i say i love this like thread that just takes the in- it goes yeah. through the entire movie and it's got jokes later on that i love and their payoff I, is so good this would have been the perfect like for a lesser director just this would have been a throwaway gag at the beginning just to establish that he is a sound person but they keep it they keep this going the whole movie yeah and it is the climax like the final moment of this movie is payoff to this scene yeah it's brilliant, in my opinion. And another great thing about the scene, and it happens later with the sound recording section, but showing him like scrubbing through the movie at that screen, it's just building up our knowledge of how the technology in this movie works. Yeah, he's teaching it to you very simply, and it's kind of most simplest form. Yeah, and so yeah. that later when like the characters are just doing things, we don't have to like be explained what's happening. We're like, yeah. oh, this is that thing he did earlier. I understand why it's happening and what's going to do. And it's basically just that like audio and like film can go forward and backwards <laughs> yes. it doesn't really you don't need, need to there's a know anything more about it than that well like, especially like so for the audience like yours truly co-host is a sound technician who's worked mm-hmm. in this sound sound in the film industry for about five years now and so i'm watching this and i'm looking at every piece of gear this guy owns and i'm like oh that's a cool little field mixer it's like tape recorder that's like a chef shotgun mic that's like this and i'm like looking at all this stuff because like i never worked on tape i was always digital mm. so he's like hanging like these tape strips up later on in the movie when he's like organizing all of his sound effects and like the when he's like marking the tape or when he's gonna cut and isolating it and syncing the video with the photographs and the tape all that stuff i just found super super interesting so i, I don't mean to roast anyone who was alive in 1981 but uh <laughs> Like was I, was it like revolutionary the concept of fast forward and rewind when this movie came out? I wonder. 
Um, I don't. I think it was just like it's not, it's not you like just tape. had tape reels, reels, and you just like reeled it faster or slower. So yeah. I don't know if it was. I think when it became consumer, like when consumers could do that, that was probably revolutionary. Mm. But probably in like the professional field with like industry, you had to be able to reel faster or slower because like you you were you were trying to look for specific frame marks of when you're going to make your cut and like yeah. sync things up. Yeah. But I think when you could do it from like a VCR button, yeah. or like that a, was or probably like on a cassette. Huge. Yeah. yeah. Or in modern day when you, dear listener, looking at your phone right now, can hit that uh, 15 seconds forward button. Right. And skip the next 15 seconds of our conversation. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. But that is something that uh, we have in modern rendition. Yeah. But uh, so at any rate, after this whole thing, that's when we get the title sequence. Yes. Which is. Well, it blows out. It of the screen. blows out of the screen. Uh, and weird sound effects for this. Yeah, it's like. A lot of screeches in this. Like. I'm like. I'm curious. I didn't pay attention. Was it the same sound effect from the actual car crash? I wasn't paying that close attention either. Might have been, so might I was have curious been. if they just showed, showed if they just played mm. the sound effect from the car crash for the title. Maybe I don't know. I, I, I could have been. I don't think so though. Very well cut off. Yeah, but uh, anyway, we had that title sequence. Yeah. Yes, he uh, he goes back to his office, and he's like working through his tapes and whatnot. And at the same time, we're cross cut, like middle of the screen with mm-hmm. a news report. Yeah, which has given us all the context. Yeah. It's like this guy, uh, McRyan, he's a politician. He's going to challenge the president for... And he's winning at like 50% favorability. Yeah, he's getting like 50% favorability and charge the president who has a low approval rating. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's, like the back to, it's like the back to the future device. Yeah. yeah. And everyone's like, he's going to be the next president of the United States. I also think it's very interesting that this movie never says the name of the president. Right. Sure. It kind of just... And it never really says a date necessarily. Mm-hmm. Well, if this is before November 1980, and also imagining the movie came out, the movie was in production before 1980. Yeah. It would have been in production during the Reagan Carter election. Right. And While Carter out, was still president. And it would have come out after Reagan became president. So McRyan would have been the Reagan figure. Carter would have been the president figure. But they say he's going to beat him in the primary. Right. So if it was Carter, he would be a Democrat. Oh, okay. However, it is very notable that I think it's important this movie doesn't name the president because it wants to give it this kind of like otherworldly time. Who ran against it's like a, Carter? Yeah, the, it's like all presidents, and even like on the mural, you have all the yeah. presidents, and you're like, I you mean, know, if you want to go really deep into it, there was a primary attempt in 1980 from Teddy Kennedy uh, against Jimmy Carter. Okay, and Ted Kennedy's. Uh, mm. uh, Oh was yeah, my, his uh, whole like uh, that, campaign was uh, Chapa Chapaquiddick was issue. almost defeated by him skidding a car into a lake and a woman died. And yeah, and, that uh, whole, have you seen the movie? They came on the movie about it. I've not seen Chapaquiddick. Mark here is writing a paper about it, to my knowledge. I was hoping you didn't know about that. I didn't. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I was aware you had to write a paper about Chapaquiddick. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's due at some point. Uh, never. Um, <laughs> I'm never doing that. Um, how did you know that this was a Philadelphia movie going into I it? I did not, and I got so Okay, hyped. yeah. I, mean, I didn't know so it was when's the first mo- When's the first moment you realized? Um, I believe it was when they're, when we have that split screen, going back to that, where it's like the news broadcast mm-hmm. about McRyan, juxtaposed with Travolta going through all his film and like cutting it and essentially making a movie, in mm-hmm. a sense quite literally, as we see the context and subject of the movie. 
Um, there's a part where they're like, yeah, the parade's gonna go down Market Street to Penn's Landing. And I was like, yes! <laughs> Jeff, are you from Philadelphia? I am from Philadelphia. Good, good to know Believe for our audience. <laughs> I am... So I got so hyped at random parts of this movie. At one point, I just yelled out, Reading Terminal Market! Because, <laughs> like, Philly is in a fair amount of movies. It's not like it has mm-hmm. no representation. But there's always, like, the specific things that don't appear in, like, an Outsiders movie of Philadelphia. It's got many, so many, like, specific locations yeah. Yeah. that don't feel like other... Like, Where, like, only yeah. a Philadelphian, because Brian Palmer's from Philly. Mm-hmm. where only Philadelphia would be like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set a set piece in that place. Like, a, if Michael Mike, Michael Bay filmed Transformers Revenge of the Fallen in, uh, in yeah. Philadelphia, uh, you couldn't tell it's Philadelphia except for one wide shot. See, an outsider coming in is not really going to know yeah. how to film that city, but a guy like De Palma who's from there, he, he knows the good spots. He knows the good stuff. Yeah, I'm still waiting on that um, feature film set in Huntington, Indiana. <laughs> that we're probably never going to get. I'm going to make a movie set in Huntington, <laughs> Indiana one day. Fuck you, I'm from Huntington. I should be the one to do it. No, that's exactly You're not going to know the good spots. I made a short film set in Huntington, Indiana called West Park. You can check it out on the film festival circuit. Sorry, shamelessly plugging my short film. To here. the person watching this and tw- listening to this episode 20 years from now, uh, it is now available uh, on Disney HBO Max Plus. Yeah. I think it would be. Yes. So now would be a good time to use that 15 second button, people. Yeah, now would be a good time to use that. <laughs> you could just uh, keep hitting that 15 second button. You could just start keep hitting that 15 second button video, go to the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> and then it'll just pop up as listen to yeah. on your Apple so you don't feel guilty. So but no, we're gonna back to the movie. Um, yeah, back to the movie. <laughs> with uh, this whole political um, news thing going on, um, and we're hearing getting exposition about this Governor McRyan figure. That's when there's this cool like little split screen thing going on yeah. where he's like working on his sound effects, and that's where it sort of teaches the audience about how he works without like just telling us how it mm-hmm. works. It's more just like showing us, oh, like this is how he like organizes all of his sounds. This is how he like makes the cuts. All while, like, side by side with, like, Mm -hmm. the political um, news segment stuff going on. If you can, if a filmmaker can get me to understand, like, the technology or science of their movie without ever having to explain it to me, just from showing it to me at the beginning. Yeah. The best thing. The best thing. Right. And for sound, it's even, because, like, everyone knows how to hit record on a camera. How How do you do that? Well, uh, (laughs) (laughs) do you have a phone, Jeff? Yeah, you you press Uh, the button. But, like, the whole... Because, all right, speaking from a sound person here, it's like sound is a thing that's like a lot of people don't know how it works, but they're just glad that there's somebody who does and can make it sound pretty good. Whereas like I I was in a class one day and my this is undergrad and my professor said like, so there's like two scenarios when you're working with a client. There's like the editor in the video and then there's like the sound designer. And the two scenarios go as so, where it's like the client will be watching the editor working. They'll be like, you need to fix this bit. The editor will do something. And the client goes, well, I could have done that. Same scenario. You're with like a sound technician. They're like, we need to fix this thing. Sound technician does some stuff, fixes it. And the client goes, I don't know what you did, but it worked. And that is the what I love about the, how this movie does do that expositional explaining about mm. how sound works. Because it is so much like... You turn these knobs that no one knows yeah. what they do, but they make it work somehow. And that is absolutely how like sound is for engineers. And all that pays off in the next scene. Yeah. When he was told by his producer, we need better wind and better nature sounds. Yeah. And so he's like, well, what better place to get wind than uh, 
just go out in the park at night yep yeah that he does also before we get there though this is when i wrote down the hair dot 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 it's interesting <laughs> so uh let's add in that uh sound effect for the hair ranking segment of travolting at what point did we get a sound effect i'm gonna put something in okay so i'm adding for a little pause here so i'm yeah. gonna put it in this like hair ranking and then it begins so john travolta's hair in this We've movie never fellas. Had a sound effect before i'm uh, so excited I'm, to hear it i'm putting it in uh for this episode for the first time so the hair um yes. what are your folks thoughts about the hair in this as opposed to previous films of john travolta um i would say it's long, like long it's it's totally acceptable it's yeah. not like in this movie I, th- I think this might be his first character who doesn't really care that much about his looks right so That's he's, he's kind of just got the like the he's n- so stylized though yeah he's kind of just got that like 90s like swoop back this is the on. 80s though jeff well what he has in the 90s and he might have it for the rest of these 80s i don't know we're gonna find out yeah it's a little little bit of floof in the back but not long not a lot it's basically the pulp fiction look minus the mullet it's really long in the back though he kind of has a mullet in this movie. Mm-hmm. he does kind of have a mullet in this movie um i'm not i'm not like a hater of the hair in this because i agree it's like he's an adult he doesn't care yeah. too much about like what his look is like in this film and so what what are we looking at just this is just a shot for this movie just oh so um transfixing oh my god at any rate i would say that this is probably right up there with i don't want to say urban cowboy because urban cowboy Mm. wears a hat the majority of the movie boo uh i would say this is just under grease for me this is just just under grease just under grease because Grease is stylized short hair with a little bit of floof mm-hmm. on top. Yeah. This is like relaxed hair with a little bit of floof yeah. in the back. So I favor Grease more, but this has like that casual casualness that is present in Grease. I'm sure this is appropriate for the hair ranking sex- section of the show. Yeah. He's very hairy. Yes. He's a hairy dude. He is a he's hairy a hairy dude. guy. Right. Is he this hairy in his earlier movies when he's younger we don't see quite that much of the rest of him in other he's movies like except for, back. yeah he's got like hairy back hairy chest he hasn't really been allowed to good. he hasn't really been allowed to have that sure. in a lot of movies it's like that first scene after well, well just ahead a second it's when he's in the hospital and mm-hmm. he's being interviewed by the guy and he has kind of like the yeah. like the very low crew neck and his, the way his arm kind of wraps around his hair this is the hair section we're, yeah we're getting into it oh of course yeah <laughs> The hair segment of Travolta. Right. I, I guess it kind of also ties into that thing about this being his first real adult performance. Is that previous, boy. previously he hasn't probably been allowed to be a hairy guy. He's had to like look like a little shit, a little, little Yeah, he looks rugged in this. Well, um, moment by moment, he is like basically nude. For, like, he is nude majority for the majority of the, of the majority of the film, and he does have a hairy chest, not a hairy back, but a hairy chest mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. yeah but then it's interesting. I mean, this is really jumping ahead, but our next movie. Uh, I've seen some pictures. That uh, is like, and he is like, that is Rambo hair. He, he staying alive. It's Rambo hair. Yeah, he is. He's looking a little rough in that, which one. makes sense because the director <laughs> of said movie is Rambo himself, Sylvester Stallone. Cue the um, cue the accent. Hey, uh, no Adrian. I'm gonna. I'm gonna literally. <laughs> I am literally gonna do the whole next episode in that voice. No, you're not. But no, here's. I will quit. And then he has. Everything kind of shaved off by the next movie. Was that the like? Was that the one sheet for the movie? Yes. And it didn't make a billion dollars. <laughs> it was. It was a flop. You said. Oh my yeah. god. 
<laughs> this is the, the the hit sequel to Saturday Night Fever that we're covering next week. He really does like look like Rambo. He does look like Rambo. We're gonna talk. We'll talk about. I'm. He looks like Jesus Christ Superstar. This is the first time I'm ever gonna pull myself back from a digression. Uh, we'll talk about staying alive <laughs> next week. Okay. <laughs> bridge. He's on the bridge. So, on the bridge. Um, yeah. As I said before, in conclusion for the hair ranking, I put this right under Grease. Yes. And this has been the hair segment brought to you by Travolting. Moving on to the plot of Blowout, 1981, directed yes. by Brian De Palma. Exit music. Yes. There's, there's no exit music. <laughs> you folks have all been champed. <laughs> so um, he's out recording. He's out recording. In the park. And this is, I mean, there's We're so 30 many minutes scenes, in, by the way. <laughs> so many scenes in this movie, I would say, are my favorite scene in this movie. Yeah. This might be it. This is pretty good. Because he's like a conductor. With his little like, yeah. he's with his little microphone. That is a he's like whipping it around. He's like, he's, yeah. For a little bit of uh, historic sound technology context, this is a Sheps microphone. S C H O E P S Sheps yeah. microphone. Yeah. I'm gonna order seven. Uh, well, they're three thousand dollars a pop. So I'm gonna not order quite, any. They're yeah. quite expensive microphones, but like, what's interesting about boom mic technology? <laughs> <laughs> no yes please go on <laughs> yeah. okay. did you see me not bullying there <laughs> so what's interesting about boom mic technology is there are different boom mics that call for different scenarios so for example like you'll have boom mics which are cardioid um polarity polar pattern meaning that it captures a wide field in front of it but it's not like laser focused to like the end of the room meaning you're holding a boom over somebody's head in like mm-hmm. a dialogue scene where like maybe two people are on frame and you're capturing like that space around them that their voice is projecting mm-hmm. versus you have though like an actual shotgun polar pattern shotgun mic because there are shotgun mics that have cardioid polar patterns but there are also there's also called a shotgun polar pattern for all of our sound nerds that are listening to this you can check me on this so the shotgun polar pattern which is present on shotgun microphones is that laser focus like you aim the boom at like some wind chimes half a mile away and you only hear the wind chimes. Is like that what he's using here? That's what he's like using a here. Pointer? So it's like when people are like, would it be like that long? Like it is probably accentuated a little too much in this scene. Like the fact that he hears the entire conversation of a couple in the park yeah, and he's yeah, able to focus like, on a frog. That's movies, man. I mean, there's, there's <laughs> a movies. bunch of like wind and stuff and everything right. happening between the capsule of the microphone yeah. and the source that he's capturing. So we wouldn't be that crystal clear, but there are, um, boom shotgun mic technologies mm-hmm. that would allow them for like laser focused precision of mm-hmm. sound pickups so his use of split- i just think that's interesting it is i agree <laughs> there's a lot of cool split diopter stuff but his use of the split diopters here is like because in his movies prior or the ones i've seen i guess it's just carrie it can't be just carrie but it, his split diopters are very like emotional mm-hmm. it w- like within the scene and yeah. here they they are, but they're more literal. Yeah, they're where it's it, it's, it's like it's, it's him it. and what he's hearing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it, it's amazing. He uses but then them he, a lot in this but, movie. Oh, I mean, the I probably his best. Yeah, yeah. probably because his Carrie, best. I feel like it's a nice like little medium where he yeah. uses uh, diopters a, a few times. But this movie, it's like like I wrote down the first diopter shot is with the owl, and it's eleven minutes in the movie before. There's even one before. There's one in the opening scene. There's one. I mean, what? they're they're like, but that's how like. I mean, I think there's 
got to be one in the editing room. Mm-hmm. And then there's one even with it's with the TV too when he's walking around doing yeah, his little thing. Yeah. The TV yeah. is in the split. The Palmer just has such formal control. You don't even over... you're not even processing them because you're just like right. It's I mean that's like the showiest one. Yeah. Right. Probably in existence. Yeah. It has like such control over the technique and the technology of these yeah. movies that he, something as simple as like focus, which is you know, yeah. very important for a, a movie. Yeah. You see like what you're supposed to look yeah. at. Right. But he uses it to such a pinpoint degree in this that like you're seeing two things in the frame and even in Carrie. Yeah. The two things you're seeing directly are intermingling with each other yeah. within the shot. But like that's how effective his split yeah. diopters are in this sequence because yeah. like for Stewart, not to, I mean like in terms of those beats, it's split diopter couple. Yeah. split diopter frog and then the owl where you're just like all right i'm throwing my chair this is like unbelievable the like, owl you're is... just like slapping me in the face <laughs> where and then you're aware of it but because yeah. it's so he's directing you so specifically yeah. it's if, so effective if looks could kill if looks could kill. when that fucking owl turns around and looks right in the lens oh and we're seeing dude how do you think they reacted on we're, set we're, and we're seeing a little travolta like on the left side of the frame and then this huge fucking owl, and it turns right to the camera on the right Spooky side of the frame. Stuff. I watched this on my fucking computer. I should, like, like if, walk out of the room. If we're I'm even... so stupid. I wish I saw this. This might be a little too much, but it's almost like it's comparing Travolta to this owl. Yeah, I mean... And, the, like, this owls are, like, creatures of, like, intense insight, and it's great just, it's ears. It's, like the, the head swivel. Yeah, the head's very, always swiveling, yeah. listening and seeing everything. Mm-hmm. And it's comparing him and Travolta, who's just like always so keen and what's aware the, of his surroundings. What's the beat right after the owl? Do you remember? Is the owl like reacting to something I, coming? The, Is owl, it the, the owl turns to the car. Yeah, the owl's like... Because we yeah. don't get... In this initial scene, I don't think we've heard the photograph clicks. We've yeah. not. That's after when he re-looks through the sure. footage and he hears and we don't know what to associate that with. Yeah. And then we hear about the photographer. Actually, wait, wait, wait. We do hear the photograph clicks. In the first We bit? hear it during the owl because we think it's the owl. It mm-hmm. sounds like a bird... I miss It sounds that. like a bird clicking. I miss that. Interesting. I'm getting so excited talking about this movie. Right I'm now. really <laughs> excited about this movie. Uh, Let's it, do the crash because then I have a big question that I can't forget to ask. Yes, about the no. just your mic. Sure. Quick. So it sounds so like you think it's the just a bird. You're like it's not really a bird, but you're just like I assume it is. At least I did. Yeah. And I then did too. and then he hears and like you look and there's a car careening around the corner. It's going crazy. It pulls up. You hear bang, another bang, and then pop, and then the car flies off the railing. Into the into lake, the, into the lake, and sinks. Travolta just goes shit. Oh my god! <laughs> what does he do? And he, he, he runs in, yeah. like doesn't like help, help. Like he just runs yeah, he in, runs in to help. And like what I think is so cool is like in the background you see a dude in all black wearing a hat sneak away Jeez, from the bridge. I didn't see this. Here's the thing. Here's the Fuck. thing. Because you see, and I because I watched that sequence again this morning. Yeah, you see the gunshot. You can yeah. see the smoke. You see the puff that he, he he finds later. Yeah. The guy on the on the bank of the lake or pond yeah. or whatever, he's the guy recording the video. Yeah. He's on the opposite side of the bridge, though. Or have I completely got the bridge wrong? I think he's creeping under the bridge. For viewers at home, I apologize. This is just Jeff confirming to me. Okay. He's the... He's... Uh, for folks listening, uh, <laughs> is drawing, drawing a sketch <laughs> of the bridge oh, right Travolta's now. here. This is, this is the road. The car's coming here. The guy... His angle of the footage... I'm like... This is like not like a CinemaSense yeah. thing, but because Brian De Palma is so specific yeah. in this scene and I can see the gunshot, I want to know if I have it wrong. I, I think I'm... He's recording here. Are you here. pulling up the scene, Jeff? 
He's recording here. He sees the gunshot of the car. The car crashes on the bridge here and goes over. Yeah. He comes down here where the guy is because that's where the guy's recording. I think he goes the, the guy's other way. over here. The guy's over but here. But the guy's. And I think Travolta goes like around here. Because Travolta like bolts like that. And then you see a guy yeah. creep out from underneath this side of the bridge. The audience is so enraptured right here. Right. Describe this image. But you see the guy come out from this side of the bridge and creep up and then run across that way. Okay, so I had it wrong because I thought I was like, he's on the opposite side of the bridge that mm-hmm. his footage is filming. And I would, yeah. Wow. So Travolta jumps in to help. Yeah. Yes, he jumps in to help. And that's when like this car is underwater. Like it's yeah. already like kind of kicked in. And he sees Nancy Allen. Yeah, when Nancy's now in this movie. I, I, I typed blowout car crash to try and find that scene, uh, and it is exclusively giving me like insurance quotes for like, <laughs> if I had a blowout. <laughs> I know. Uh, Mark is currently uh, putting a straw into a Kool-Aid jammer pouch. Just for you got to respect time. it. Very honestly. quietly. Nah, you can do it in front of the mic. It's cool. You got to just blow out that, that <laughs> thing. Yeah. On a tangent, uh, if anyone has a hair straightener and... Uh, kool-aid uh there's this trick where you can like take scissors and cut off the top of the kool-aid jammer and you can mix in like alcoholic drinks and then take a hair straightener and like reseal the top of it so you have yeah, an alcoholic uh, kool-aid jammer so you just you yeah you just cut the yeah you just cut that and open it. it and then yeah, yeah. Well, remember. amazing did well, you not know that I, i'd never heard of that you never yeah. thought to do that yeah well, I, I, i'm a grown-up who doesn't eat you guys doesn't drink went Kool-Aid. to columbia college chicago which is not a party campus Stuart, you also went to columbia college chicago in grad school i have a yeah because you're an old shit <laughs> i we're the same age dude yeah, that's true <laughs> but i went to ball state of party school and i learned all these tricks so <laughs> watch out guys yeah he's, watch he's out. too he's too cool for this podcast i am too cool for this podcast we don't want to talk about the shirt you're wearing right now. No, we, we can't talk about the shirt. We cannot talk about the shirt I'm wearing until episode 60 of this. For the viewers at home, I'm going to draw a, a picture of Jeff's shirt. On my of macaroni and cheese to this podcast. I'm we re- had to wait on him to finish eating the macaroni you, and cheese. You got you to gotta get that cheese. You got to get that cheese. I'm like, are you ready to start recording, Jeff? And he's like, uh, one second. <laughs> I'm always late, and I always forget to eat before I come here. And if I like don't eat, I'm just gonna get hungry during the show. So I just I need to do it. You know what I do, Jeff? What? I suck it up and don't eat. <laughs> if you want to hear my stomach rumbling live on a recording, that's how we can do it. Mm. So Nancy anyway, Allen. Yes, he pulls Nancy, Nancy Allen, Allen out of in the car. Well, first he goes up the car, and it's like the jaw shot where the body comes out. Yeah. yeah. And this guy's like. He's dead. He hits the glass. This guy's dead. Nancy Allen, very claustrophobic, I read. Yeah. Like in real life, and she was terrified during this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know that. Kudos to her. She did it well. Stunt coordinator on set didn't tell Brian De Palma that the stunt failed the first two times that day when they (laughs) tried it, that the car, like, went down to the bottom of the pool they were shooting at. They couldn't keep it afloat. (laughs) And he was just like, oh, we're fucking not going to tell her. Holy shit. (laughs) Um, We love to see it. Plausible deniability. (laughs) Yep. He's got professional No crossover themes with the movie there. Yeah. <laughs> forcing my wife to do something she doesn't want to do. Hey, uh, uh, Palma, we got these actors insured, right? It's like, I think so. It's like, great, you're good to go. Important <laughs> note is... Uh, do we have them in shirts? Yeah, yeah sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Important note, uh, Brian De Palma is married to the Charles Colston in this movie, Nancy Allen, who we mm-hmm. talked about a lot in Carrie. I don't they, think at that point we... At that point, they were not married. I don't think we knew... I think they were married at that point. I think that's where they met. They met on Carrie. Yeah, that's what I just said. 
you're to say Carrie. Sorry, I thought you were saying they weren't married during blowout. <laughs> you're right. They were not married during Carrie. They were married during blowout. Yeah, they met during Carrie. Uh, Nancy Allen, a lovely actress. Mm-hmm. President Carrie. She did two other movies of De Palma's. This is her last one with him, and he split up a few years after this came out. Yeah, but they're married during the production mm-hmm. of this. Probably because of the car scene. Probably because <laughs> uh, she would go on to be in all three of Robocop movies. Actually, I think yeah. the real reason is because um, De Palma told John Lithgow to actually stab her <laughs> in the end of the movie. <laughs> and uh, they had to have to get a set medic to rush in. I have, the end I have when a she wakes thought... up from her coma for three years. She's like, are you all right? Are you all right, Nancy? He's like, we're getting a fucking divorce. <laughs> I, have a lot, I have a lot of thought about John Lithgow in this movie, but we'll get I to him when we get to him. I fucking love John Lithgow. Right, we're going to get to him when we get to him. He pulls Nancy Allen out of this wreck. Yeah. Up on up on the shore. We're 45 minutes into this podcast. Okay, fine. That's fine. It's fine. And we're 12 minutes into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just like De Palma takes eight pages to write that script. Yes. The same ratio page. <laughs> we're going to ratio page. <laughs> yeah. Um, he pull, pulls her out, and we cut to a hospital. Uh, there's like no there's no business about how they get to the hospital one we just go to the hospital. real quick note about the car scene that move into the hospital is the score during the rescue scene tight oh yes. my god tight unbelievable it's amazing like the yeah. music in the background as he's like trying to bash in the rock yeah. the rock in the window uh beautiful score yeah and brian de palma actually said like this is his favorite yeah. score in his yeah. movies tarantino uses this score in one of his movies later of course why wouldn't you it's a great i score. think it's the death proof one mm. Mm. by the death proof one i mean just death proof death proof yeah death-proof. the one with kurt russell yeah i believe i read that he uses in that cool anyway we're in a hospital we're in a hospital nancy allen has been sedated uh, Travolta's being interviewed by some cop who's like, oh, and so you pulled the girl out? And he's this like, cop he's, is really and he's dope. like, yeah, I pulled yeah. the girl. And the girl's like, are you sure you pulled the girl out? <laughs> and like, and Travolta's like, yeah, Travolta's she's playing right there. this like the audience is reacting like, yeah, yeah that's what I just said. Yeah. And this is when 14 minutes and 21 seconds, the cop then says the quote, and that's when you heard the blowout. And yes. we get the title of the movie. <laughs> 14 minutes, 21 seconds. My little women. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, cop talks to Travolta. Then the cop just like fucks off. (laughs) And one thing, this is partly on me as a viewer, but I'm sure his character name was stated early in the movie, but this is like the first time I registered that his name was Jack. Before that, I was like, what was this guy's name? Uh, It's Travolta. Jack Terry. Jack Terry. That's this. The hospital scene was when I really solidified. Okay. His name's Jack. Yeah, Jack Terry jack terry um he's like i want to go see the girl and they're like all right she's been sedated so just keep it quick spoiler alert but like all fucking hell loose is breaking out <laughs> behind them that's what's so cool about this yeah. interview scene is he's just like this like guy is just like badgering him yeah. in his ear and he's like yeah i told you i pulled him out of the yeah. like, what, do we, what, what more do you want from me and just like people are like being rushed with stretchers <laughs> yeah. and nurses are just like flailing in the background and yeah. there's news reporters and they're like keep everybody out <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he's just and travolta's just sitting there against the glass window and he's yeah. looking so smug and yeah. so cool oh my god <sighs> He's amazing. Has he looked this cool? No, this is the yeah, coolest. This is the yeah, this is the this coolest. This is, I've said this already, but this is my favorite Trolls performance we've had so far. Yeah. Same. This is also my favorite movie we've covered so far. Same. I think he is, this movie is amazing, and I yep. think Travolta is so cool in control. Like, he has a full grasp on his character in this. Yeah. And he's not trying to show off. But what the movie asks him to do he's so perfect for yeah. because his face is so and not even it's not like even like the most like expressive face in the world because mm-hmm. he really just has that like shit eating grin yeah that smile but that he can just because the movie's asking him to do so much 
recording and looking and listening and thinking yeah. and just silently taping and smoking. He's so like that one expression he's got yeah. where he can just be completely still and transfixing during it. I'm looking up a piece it's of just... trivia from this movie. Oh, so um, fun fact, uh, John Travolta suffered insomnia during the shoe. And according to IMDb, which is not totally accurate, but may, pretending this one is, his lack of sleep helped him create the very moody performance that we've seen, um, like his downtrodden self throughout the film is because he was suffering uh, insomnia throughout the film, which makes sense, actually. Yeah, he, I mean, he looks tired. He, he looks, looks really tired. tired. He, looks, he looks like he needs to get, a, get some sleep. He looks sleep. so sleepy. Yeah. And he's got the best chin. What's up with his chin? Uh, What's up with his chin? It's his chin. It has like, that, that's, that's like an I'm indent like, in the I'm like kind of convinced that's the reason you guys are doing this podcast. It's, it's because of his chin. Just to discover his right? chin. Right? Yeah, his chin's pretty dope. Um, I don't know what you're looking at. So yet. he's in the... I'm just trying to find a quote. So that's... Yeah. Is a, he's then Nancy going Allen to check out thoughts. Nancy Allen. And yeah. she's not sedated. She's up and about. She's up and and about. just doing her own thing. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, I need to go. And Jack is like, no, you need to like stay here. And then he proceeds to ask her out for coffee, like after. Like, yeah, it's you like, want to go get some coffee? I also like that Troll is not doing a voice in this movie. He's not. It's doing just a voice. like every movie we've co- we've yeah. covered so far, he's done a voice. Right. This is the first time I cover he doesn't take out a Miss Impulsion's report. Yeah, he, like in Grease was like, you, you want to? I don't know. Uh, check the yellow pages. <laughs> the take out a Miss Pages report. <laughs> or in a uh, boy in the plastic bubble, it's like Gina. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a Where movie you've going, covered? Where you going, Gina? You guys have kept saying Boy in the Plastic Bubble, and I'm just like, okay, what's that? I have no <laughs> idea what you guys talked it's about. A, it's a TV movie that came okay. out in 19... 19- Mark, let me tell you something about Boy in the Plastic Bubble. Let me tell you something uh, about that. 76. Bubble Boy. No, it, we, oh, we started this movie, Boy in the Plastic Bubble, and the credits are going up. It's like John Travolta, Gina Davis, all these actors. And at the end, it's a very special appearance by former astronaut Buzz Aldrin. Okay, yeah. yeah. I feel like I saw you tweet this. Oh, my gosh. And then... At the and then the midway through the movie, they're watching TV, and Buzz Aldrin visits John Travolta's character, but in the like, in the it's kitchen. just other characters watching it happen. There's never a close-up of Buzz Aldrin. He's only in like one single wide shot on a news report. I mean, he's probably not an actor, and that's his whole role in this movie. They probably didn't want to put a close-up on him because it's like he's not an actor. It's like you know, he's great in Transformers: Dark of the Moon. Let's not go there. All right, uh, <laughs> blowout. Uh, so blowout. Uh, yeah. So. Jack asks her out right after the accident, like ill-timed, yeah. dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like she probably has a concussion right now. Does he ask her out? In He's the like, motel we go room or in the hospital room. In the hospital room. No, because she says she wants to go home with him because she's really sedated and she doesn't want to be in the hospital. She just doesn't like hospitals. Because I know he comes back mm. and he says, "I'll take you." He's like, "Here's what we'll do: you stay here in the hospital for the night, and I'll take you for coffee tomorrow." So it's not quite him asking her out. It's kind of like. He's offering her that so she'll listen to the doctors. It sounded like he was asking her out for coffee. It's a, well, a, he does ask her out for the coffee, but I felt like that was in the motel room when he's like, oh, fuck, what does he say? He's like, that, you know, that they like the very striking wallpaper yes. in that room. Yeah. Uh, this movie likes red, white, and blue. Yeah, um, this movie likes colors. Yeah, this movie likes colors. It's almost like this movie is in some way about the American political system. Right. And how oh. we are all and how we are all very oh, small and so capable oh of changing it. Oh my god. Wow. But we're gonna get to at the end. You're gonna talk about Reagan Land a lot in this, aren't you? I'm gonna so, talk, <laughs> but in between, we're talking about the parallax view. Okay. <laughs> in between uh 
Jack and Sally conversation, he then goes back outside, and that's when there's all the police presence yeah. and the media coming around. And, and, this, then, and Mike Ryan's handler comes up. Yes. He's like, I'm not your dog. This guy like, talks out of like, the corner. It looks like his teeth are like nailed together. He's mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, you know, I work for Governor McRyan. Um, <laughs> Jeff is doing a face with his teeth grind yeah. together for folks. Um, so, yeah, he tells Jack. You never saw like the girl. The guy who was killed was Governor McRyan. Who was going to be the next president. And he likely. says, like, just keep it under wraps. Like, no one needs to know that he was with somebody. And Travolta's like, but that's the truth. Like, he was with somebody. It's like, but it's like, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. like, do you want to? He's like, yeah. the truth doesn't matter. What matters is the perception. You can't do that to his family. Yeah, that's yeah. Died like, you can't with do this a, to his family. You want his he, family to know that he died with that whore and that last moment that he was cheating on his wife. <laughs> so, and Trolls like, that's the truth. We gotta present the truth. That's what I do as a filmmaker. Is I present the truth as a. Yeah, as a filmmaker and as a former cop buster, that, that's when <laughs> yeah. we really get the motivation. Yeah. You're kind of just like, is he just like, yes. good guy, that's the truth. Yeah. Tell well, the truth. Th- that's a, and we're going to get there in a moment, yeah. but that is something good to like say. It's like, you know, beforehand, like when I think of this guy as like a sound technician, like sound guys, for folks who aren't familiar in the film industry, sound guys sit on chairs on set. So they're not like the most active like beings. And when I see John Travolta, like, as active as he is, diving into a river, going the extra mile to investigate what's going on, I'm like, he's not just a sound guy. Because the sound guy would be like, okay, whatever, next job. Mm -hmm. And then when we get that scene later on the movie that we're going to talk about where we find out that he worked for, like, the um, internal affairs for police or whatever and, like, was investigating corrupt cops, I'm like, oh, so his, like, background in law enforcement makes him, like, this extra charge to, like, find the truth and stuff, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. So, but we'll get there. Yeah, I, uh, I have a I have a sound mixer story to tell you uh, when we're off air. I have lots of sound mixer stories. <laughs> I, you know, All right, I'm writing that down furiously. It's a really Jeff. good one. I got to tell you about. <laughs> you don't want to say it on the air. I cannot say it on the air. Okay. But um, spicy. Yes. But um, yeah. So they're the guys like you need to get the girl out of here. Yeah. And Trollers at that point just been like, why am I getting her out? I was gonna say like, it, oh, so he takes her to the hotel. He yeah. Normal procedure hotel. would be a yeah. cop would drive her home, yeah. but it's like, no, we're it's just, like, no, we need her out of here. We the have, witness we, and the victim are gonna go have, together. Yeah, we can have no evidence that she was there. And so yeah. Trollers just like, sure, whatever. So he goes back in. He's like, hey, remember how I said I you need to stay here tonight? We're yeah. leaving now. We're leaving right now. And they're in the car together. And Nancy Allen's just like slurring her words and talking stuff because she's drugged. Yeah. Uh, she's doing like a Harley Quinn accent. <laughs> so this actually explains a lot because I must have missed when they said like she's sedated because I watched that entire like yeah. portion of the movie. It's like, why is she acting like That's this? where she's just kind of like, it's hey, like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing yeah. I just want to go home <laughs> with at, you. At first I was like, is she doing a Philly accent? Yeah. And I was like, no. My mom yeah. has a really thick Philly accent. So I was like, no, that's not a Philly accent. What's your mom sound like? I, I, okay. can't, I can't do it. I wish I could. You could do all the presidents, but you can't do a Philly I accent. I can do one president. You could do Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> we, you we, could do John Travolta. You could do a New York we have, accent. We have covered you this. Can't I do can a do accent. one president. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Reagan? Uh, it's Bill no, okay. My, okay. my name is Bill Clinton. He does not support Bill this message. Can you? I did not hang Yeah, there we go. <laughs> that's what I wanted to hear. That's what I mean. he, yes. has, he does a great Bill Clinton. Yes. So That's the only one I can do. He takes but, her um, to the motel. Yes, he takes her to the motel. 
Um, and I think they just wake up the next morning. I don't well, know. I don't he, think there's much that night while they're there. Well, what happens? He like puts her on the bed and lets her go to sleep, and then he goes to his car and gets oh, yes. out his like mixing gear, and that's when he's like already starting to retrace yeah. all the yeah. sounds that he was. And he hearing. spends the whole night figuring out like well, yeah. what yeah. sound he, he goes back to his studio, right? Because that's maybe one of that. That's maybe my favorite scene of the movie. Maybe he, other than the end, that's is when he's piecing it back together. Yeah, because when he has the headphones on with the pencil, that's that's the shit. For I me. think that's at the motel. I think he does all that. Is it in the car? No, he he just goes inside the motel room while Sally's sleeping, and he sits on like one of like a desk chair. I think in I think in the motel he's just listening, and he hears he's like, no, that's a gunshot. Yeah, and he keeps like listening to it, and he falls asleep. But yeah, I think. And the next morning, Nancy Allen wakes up, and she's like, "Well, you're here the whole you were." He goes back to his studio because he makes the that he he goes and he does all the rewinding. Mm -hmm. Is he rewinding in his car? He has the thing where he can like. Yeah, I think he has the rewind thing with him regardless eventually like yeah. he's there and she wakes up yeah and then he um, asked her out and he asked her out oh well i wrote down a quote here and that is uh from nancy allen so uh you want some coffee oh yes yeah you want some coffee <laughs> it's real <Yeah>. strong <laughs> and she's like let's get coffee and he's like no i heard a gunshot um I don't know why I just started doing well, Cowboy Travolta on that. You, there's but, another uh, awesome quote where she's like, where they're talking about like, what do you, what do you do? It's like, I do sound for movies. It's like, oh, cool. Like big movies. And he, just the best delivery I've ever seen Travolta do. He's just working. He's not like paying that much attention. Mm-hmm. He's just looking down at his work. It's like, no, just the bad ones. Yeah. <laughs> it's very straight. And I love yeah. it so much. Uh, yeah. So at and any rate. She, she runs off. Because he offends her by just being exclusively interested in like hearing the gunshot. We learned that. beforehand she does makeup. Yeah, she, she does makeup. She does makeup. She does makeup for people. Um, she wants to do it in movies, but for now she only does it like at stores. Yeah, yeah. So then after she leaves, we're back at the studio. He goes back to the studio, and that's I think with the pencil where he starts like really piecing the whole. Okay, thing maybe it's there then because yeah. that's the one where he's like he finds like the sounds and he puts like the X on them. Yeah, like specifically where the gunshot happened, where the blowout happened. Where like the the photo clicks happened, and this is when also during like the news scene where we find out there was a photographer there. Yeah, there was a photographer there. I have some beef with this photographer bit in the movie. You have some beef with them? So like he was a photographer, not a filmmaker. And we're gonna get to this throughout the movie, but like the way he pieces it together, he puts together like a motion clip, like as if he took like twenty four frames per second. I b- I believe the guy car. said he had like a thirty five millimeter camera. Yeah, but. Which actually... Do you have beef with how he pieces So if the he had a regular 35 millimeter film camera, you have to do like click, reel, click, reel. Well, I think it was a motion camera. I thought he was a photographer. But he's not piecing it back together at 24 frames. He's piecing it back together at like... 12. Half or 12. But even then, but then like, at the end, he there's, does get there's like a maximum a of 35 stills in a, in a 35 uh, millimeter camera. So you have 35 stills. So if, if you see, capture the whole car accident, you're going like 12 frames a second. Mm. So like... Two every two ever two shots every second, then you're still using like your 35 up in the first like five seconds of the whole thing. But he but Lithgow asks her for the tape at the end, and he pulls it out, and he goes, "Oh, 16. 16! I yeah. know yeah. it's there's so so there's some continuity so issues I, and some no, like I don't, I don't logic think issues. I don't think it's a continuity error. What I think it is is because of this guy's scam we're gonna learn later in the movie i think he's just like weighing it he recorded it on oh. film and then presented the individual images as, photo. as photos uh it's like a book do they say that because that's because i don't think like, i don't think because i don't think he's necessarily a very good photographer right so he just got the whole thing on film so he could pick the individual parts out 
because he and, and he has to be doing that because he's there's no way he's submitting the whole tape because yeah. the gunshots in the tape yeah and that's where Travolta finds it is in his original and at, and at the end of the movie the quality we film. see him yeah. like put the film into the uh, into a thing and it's just like yeah. a steady like film shot there's yeah. no individual this movie's photo. so interestingly plotted because it's like very you get a little closer it's yeah. very plotty yeah but it's it doesn't matter but it's dreamlike yeah it kind of like. It's like a situation where you don't need to know all the pieces. You're like, you're asking yourself like, all right, we're with, we're really with Lithgow and not to jump ahead to it. But in terms of like talking about the part of the movie, I'm like, it's kind of like this yeah. in that like all these things are happening simultaneously and the events yeah. of them don't really matter because they're just building, building, yeah, building, Yeah, so we get to building. the events of how this person actually died and who put the assassination attempt. Yeah. There's some leaps in logic yeah. of like, how it happened but you're right it's not that important to the story yeah. it's because just, then we're introduced to lithgow yeah yeah right after that scene yeah so um this so yeah he sees in the news about the photographer who was there the night of the murder who's selling his photos so he buys a magazine that's already like published the photos yeah. and that's when he like starts cutting them out yeah, he, putting them together sinking them all and he up. goes to the it's animation studio of the uh of the the film company he works at and yeah. it's like Using the animation photo press. Yeah, yeah. To literally make like an animated movie yeah. with his sound clips of yep. the... And best thing about that part is the only way they tell you that is just a sign of the door. Yeah. You don't be like, Jack, where are you going? I'm going to the animation studio to use like the photo press. Nope. To, to prove just, my conspiracy. They just show the animation post on the door. They show him using a tool which gets the thing done. Mm -hmm. You know what it does. Great filmmaking. Yes. Great visual storytelling that way. So um, and, he, and he walks out with the tape and he goes to like a film processing company and he's like, I need this as fast as possible. And the guy's like, oh, Jack, I'll do you a favor. You got to come back after midnight. You're skipping the best part, though. So after he oh, takes the film, the audition, the audition. And so like literally he's like racing out and he's about to head to this photo processing thing. But this director who has like three girls sitting on his casting his couch. producer from the beginning his producer from the beginning of the movie i say casting couch in like air quotes and uh literally as jack is trying to run out he has no time for anything the producer guy is like jack i need you to come in here it's like i don't have time it's like it's the audition i need you to hear this and jack's like oh so he walks in he's like points at girl three ah! girl two ah! girl one Dodge Volta, keep looking. At least it's such a good bit. It's such a great bit. It's like continuing for that yeah. initial scene, and it's amazing. I love it so much. And he delivers it beautifully, yes. too. That's so funny. Yeah. So then the photo yeah, processing. The photo processing. Bit. And then we get the first Lithgow. Mm -hmm. The first where Lithgow. We're just on like a tire or on the trunk of a car. And but we opens. don't even know what's the I didn't know yeah. it was him at that point. And he opens the trunk, and there's two things in it there's a tire. And there's a box that says magnetic tape eraser. Yeah. Oh, duh, I missed that. <laughs> Holy shit. That's so stupid. Um, and, like, he pulls the tire out, and he walks, and he, like, breaks into the police station, mm -hmm. essentially. And turns around. It's John Lithgow. Looking, Fucking love John Lithgow. He's so good. I have difficulty taking him seriously as, like, a serial killer. Or, have you like, seen murder. Dexter? No. So he plays a serial killer in Dexter, and he's really good at Just it, Just because too. he looks like such a lovable, charming man. But that's And I know why. him in real life. Let's so go. What? I watched Dexter um, before I watched this movie. Yeah. And he plays a prominent serial killer who's been killing six, since the 70s, wink, wink, um, yeah. in Dexter in season four. And, uh, like, it goes through a whole thing. He's a family man in Dexter. Yeah. He's, like, you know, a nice yeah. little guy. He has a little temper tantrums, yeah. which allude to his, like, psychopathic personality. 
And so after I watched that series season and like Dexter, that was like this was years ago. Then I watched this movie last yeah. night and I see John Lithgow. I'm like, that's the Trinity Killer from <laughs> Dexter. <laughs> so I love that. Yes. And I think he, I think I do agree with your saying. He has like he ha- have you seen the Crown? It, it's just that uh, I've not. He has I know he plays baby, Churchill on it though. He p- has the baby face Churchill face thing, and so it's hard to see him as a serial killer. But... I think he's amazing in this movie. Oh yeah. It's just that prior to this, like my only Lithgow, I was like, what I associate him with is, uh, oh, inter- oh yeah, he did. Yeah, we what? just learned well, sorry that John, to throw you a John Lithgow there. voiced Yoda in the Empire Strikes Back radio drama. <laughs> Find it. <laughs> uh, am I'm I about a, to order something no, a lot no, on okay, no, right, um, no, Not to cut you. But like, I just associate him with like terms of endearment, where he's like this this charming guy. Mm-hmm. Um, the trailer for Daddy's Home Two. Never seen Daddy's Home Two. Probably never will. But I just remember the trailer where he plays Will Ferrell's dad, and he's a like a goofball in it. But it was very exciting so to see obvious. him play such like a cold blooded killer in this. That's our, he does it so well. He does it really really well. And um, so yeah, we see John Lithgow. Also, I just want to make the observation that happens earlier in the movie after the motel night scene yeah. and the morning scene. Okay. Yeah. So we skipped a little bit, but yeah, the police okay. compound thing where he does patch the tire and all that stuff yeah. is in there. I believe that the next scene after. Like John after Trolls are like dropping the film off. I think we go back to Lithgow again, and he's on the phone with um his like handler. Yeah, and this is the only scene where we get the guy where he's like, "Are you talking to me from a phone booth? You better." And yeah. he's like, "Yeah." And this is the only scene in the movie where we get any context about why the assassination happened. Right. Well, we get we get two right. We, two phone booth conversations. Yeah, but he's talking with the cops in the next one. Where he's like doing like... Where the, he's like, I killed her! He's like, it's like his cover. He's like yeah. really selling it. And the yeah. cops well, is like, no oh, way so they there's three. Them. Because there's one in the initial where he's like, I'm calling from a private public telephone booth, sir. And then there's a second one where the handler is like, we told you not to kill him. It's like, if you remember, on the June conference He called him to tell him to go there. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I suggested this plan. It's like, and we rejected it. It's like, well, I had different plans. Yeah. <laughs> they, well, they basically hired, like, the worst hitman. Yeah. Who's, like... He does his own thing. Low-key a serial killer, and they don't know he is. Pretty yeah, much, yeah. Yeah, that's, kind of yeah, like that's the, a great way to say it. He's part. a hitman who is also a psychopathic yeah, serial they, killer. They, like, hired him to essentially get McRyan in the race one way or the other. I imagine but not the, to kill him. I, I imagine the profession of being a hitman probably attracts a lot of psychopathic serial yeah. killers, but small pool of, you know, good intention hitmen. Yeah. Because <laughs> even his plan is like, uh, I killed the wrong lady. I'm just gonna kill a bunch of ladies. Yeah. I'm yep. just gonna kill a bunch of ladies, make it look like a whole thing. Yeah. Well, and then he's just like, fine, theory. You can do that, sure. Theory. But I just He knew it wasn't Sally. He knew each of those women wasn't Sally. So Most, he just oh, he just killed her. Yeah, no. yeah. He's just like, I, I wanna I, kill blonde women. I feel like the first lady the, fir- the first, first lady, yeah, that's where my theory comes in. Sure. It, the movie intends us to think he was trying to kill Sally and kill the wrong woman. I don't think he it turns was. her over though. I think it's like he turns her over and is like, oh, uh, sure. wrong woman, stab. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, not just stab, Liberty Bell on yeah. her chest. Yeah, um, f- I love Philly. Uh, <laughs> I also the thing I just love about this sequence where he's on the phone with his like handler is that. The movie does not have any interest in diving into this like conspiracy. It has no interest in why was this guy killed? Who ordered the hit? Did like hype, like did his competition hire it or was it like the party or whatever? The movie's just like that's not what's important. What's important is the story of these two characters and 
this greater conspiracy is so much bigger than them. It's yeah. so much more important to them. They're just like these little like tiny pieces they're these little things that are just yeah. fighting against this foot that's going to step on they're them. just doomed yeah i mean yeah they're, they're doomed from the start if, which yeah. is why the end of the movie is actually good yeah this thing is oh, just opposed ah. to the public perception when the first came out a lot of people did not like the yeah. ending but it's, it's like any conspiracy and i'm not a conspiracy theorist but any conspiracy where the idea is this thing is so much bigger and it's it's a world that's hidden from us sidebar do any of you believe in one conspiracy theory oh uh, more than one. <laughs> what was that? What, what's yours, Mark? Um, While you think about it, Jeff, there's your... like certain conspiracy theories where I'm like, the truth is cooler than that. I definitely think, yeah. like the moon landing. Yeah. I'm like, that's well. There's so a making lame. the moon landing there's is way lamer. Sixteen minute <laughs> sorry. video debunking why the whole like uh, moon landing could have been fake because we didn't have the technology to film a fake moon landing. Yeah, but we had the technology to go to the moon. Yeah. It's right. really interesting. Yeah. So basically, like duct duct tape on a rocket is cooler than a warehouse and like yeah. some dirt. Like, <laughs> like, what yeah. you talking about? Well, Jeffrey Epstein definitely didn't kill himself. Sure. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Hundred percent. Jeff, what's yeah. yours? I don't really have. I mean, I just love conspiracies. I just don't believe. I just think they're fun. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I agree. There's got to be one though that like, like you know, JFK. Maybe like an extreme uh, movie with very loose factual grounding. <laughs> Great movie. I, I love watching and being like, oh, did these guys kill Jan did John Candy murder him? I feel like, I feel I like love watching that John movie. Candy couldn't murder anybody. I, lo I love watching that movie and doing that. And then at the end, I'm like, that doesn't really make much sense, but I love it. Just remembering the end of The Rock when Nicolas Cage with his newlywed wife runs out of a church yeah. and you have a little, little USB thing. And this right before, when it cuts to credits, Nicolas Cage is like, honey... Do you want to know who killed JFK? Yeah. Cut to black credits. Yeah. That's the end of The Rock. But we're not talking about The Rock right now. I yeah. feel like I'm sounding like such a dumb, like bad history person here. The sinking of the Lysid the Lysidwania yeah, in, in, yeah. in World War One. That's considered. Is that that's conspiracy theory? There is the sinking of that to draw oh, the U.S. That into the, the World US War One. Sank it. Yeah, there's the conspiracy that, that the U.S. sank their own ship. Yeah. So that we could go into the war. Yeah. That's conspiracy yeah. theory. I don't think we had U-boats though. Oh. I don't know what we had. Yeah. Anyway, this is not World War One cast. <laughs> We're talking about so, conspiracy theories. I'm so surprised which you didn't try and pitch us in a World War One cast below. Right there. I I could have. I really could have. <laughs> you we held yourself back. One hour and twenty minutes into this podcast. Oh yeah, we're like thirty minutes and into the movie. We haven't we're even broken out of the first act. All right. Uh, so uh, this is well, gonna be our longest first episode. act of the yeah. show. What was the, the last? Thing? What were we just talking? About? <laughs> we were talking about Lithgow no. and no, like the conspiracy okay. theory. So yeah, they finally get coffee. Because they she, do get he coffee. calls her after the coffee. photo thing, and she's like, where are you? And she's like, I'm on a train. It's like, oh, are you leaving town? It's like, we'll stay here for a minute. I'll meet you at the station. He meets her at the station. They get coffee. Yeah. yeah. And, and this she, is where he does his whole, he, he, exposition he gives bit. his whole exposition bit. Yeah. And this movie, and this is just more of like a Travolta filmography thing, is that De Palma and him were going to do Prince of the City, the Sidney Lumet movie. Mm -hmm. They were going to make that movie, and then it fell off. And that scene is like a scene, not, I don't think it's, I haven't seen Prince of the City, um, so I shouldn't even say it's directly lifted, but I've read that it's heavily lifted from that as a scene from that script that they were going to shoot, uh, like of their version. And then they went and did Blowout instead. Mm. Yeah. So that's kind of what that scene is, but it also gives so much of his 
of his character yeah. and of his kind of like his truth seeking. Yeah. I am the cop of the cops. Yeah. And now I'm a sound recorder. <laughs> kind of like fun dynamic. Yeah. But so, so to fill in the audience of uh, Jack Terry's back. Well, uh, no, backstory. no, no. We, we got to do the scene before that first. What's the scene before that? What's the scene before that? That's he why it's so he goes back jumbled. to the he goes back to the the film place processing. He gets the f- movie. He watches it and sees that the gunshot and his sound sync up perfectly. Yeah. And he's like, he makes a copy. And he makes a copy, so he yeah. has a movie that shows this. There's he he says two things he needs though. He needs to give this to the police, and he needs to get a copy of the original. He's the original tape. First thing he does is, is this he, before the calling to get coffee. Yes, well, it, it's around the same time because okay. after he comes because back I believe, from the shop, every after he comes back from that lunch with her, everything's yeah. gone. Yeah, yeah, because um, he goes to the cop, like or the police station. He's like, I have the film right here, and they're like, We don't want your conspiracy theories anymore. You put a lot of good guys away. Well, that I love that bit <laughs> because it like it makes sense why the cops are extra difficult yeah. to Jack. Because yeah. it's like, oh, it makes sense because he was a knock. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. but right there, we're like, why are these people being such dicks to John Travolta? And then he's like, fine, I'm taking it. And they're like, oh, not so we're like, fast. We're like, is this just a fuck the police movie or something? But then the next scene is when they're having coffee and he explains how he got into sound. I don't think it is, Jeff. Just because the way I wrote it down. Was I, it reversed? I think it's reversed. Okay. Because it, right after he calls and says, I'll meet you at the train station, they go to the train station and then it's a coffee scene. Yeah figure out the structure i'm gonna pee real quick okay <laughs> uh mark is should, getting up should to go we pee. pause no we can just keep going uh so okay. i do want to talk about the backstory because i think it's important for our audience who haven't seen the film to know the yes. backstory so um jack and sally are getting coffee and they're talking about their professions like her being in makeup and how much how passionate she is about it and then she asks him about his backstory and like you know how'd you get into sound and he talks about well i used to fix radios in high school i was kind of a junk like a uh gear head in like college i used to make my own like radio all that stuff and then he um became like he he wasn't a police officer but he he was like an engineer sound technician for uh police who was like internal affairs meaning they investigated corrupt cops so he would put on these wire uh, a wire meaning like a wireless lavalier that would transmit to a follow car on undercover cops so he does this and he's going through like his last uh undercover experience where they're investigating this corrupt uh captain so he puts on a like this lavalier pack he tapes it to his side yeah and then they like tape the mic to like his diaphragm in, in his chest and then they go through with the undercover um yeah. investigation and Travolta's narrating this whole time and he's yeah. just like the thing i didn't count on was he would get nervous and sweaty and overheat his battery pack. Yeah, so like the all the liquid sweat got into like the, the, the wire, mu- yeah, the, the, the wiring, recording device, and uh, that would cause it, was, it to short out and it would burn burning a the hole in his side. And so he was like in pain it's in the like car. Maybe the sweatiest image I've ever seen in my life. Where like it's these, it's like this mobster, these two mobsters in a car. Like a you know real Don and type of guy, short undercover cop, in and then the in the middle, middle <laughs> short undercover cop, clearly in pain, sweating profusely. He's yeah. like, he looks like Danny Yalo and do the right thing. He's just covered in <laughs> sweat. So, um, and then that would be when, uh, like he, the undercover cop is like, pull over, I gotta go pee. Yeah, and uh, he runs up and he's like trying to get, um, uh, like his lavalier off, 
uh, Jack Terry and like the cop that's driving the car, they're like, oh, like pull over. And then they see like the mob boss walk in yeah. the same bathroom and then like walk out yeah. in a rush. So Jack Terry like rushes into the bathroom and that's when he sees the undercover cop hung, hung up by, by the, the wire. lavalier. And it's like, I don't know if lavaliers have that much strength built into them. Like if you pull on a lavalier wire, it will break eventually. But, but yeah, he's hung. He's literally hung by his own, by the wire, by his own device. Yes. I'm Tra- back. Tra- Tra- yes. Mark is, Mark back. is back from his pee. Very affecting. His, his, his like hanging on. He's like, yeah, he's like an inch above the ground. Yeah. His foot is just like barely yeah. touching it. It's so like bone chilling. It's like, yeah, that close. And, and that's what drives Travolta is that he was a guy who worked undercover cops like yeah. within the department, sold out a bunch of cops in just the pursuit of truth. And he got that guy killed doing it. So he feels like he has like this moral obligation now. Yeah. To fight for truth. Yeah. He tried to escape from it by going into the film industry and ended up just discovering his need to like put truth into film. Yeah. And that's what's really driving him now. Yeah. So um, it's during this conversation when Jack is telling Sally to stick around, like just we need you around because I need your help. You're the only one that was there. And that's when after that scene, Sally's walking around. And we get, I wrote, cause this is before I knew it was John Lithgow, but like, yeah. you don't, it doesn't reveal it's John Lithgow until the first killing scene when we see his face. No, we see him in the phone booth. All right. Okay. Cause I wrote down John <laughs> motherfucking Lithgow and all I think you were just excited for him in this. Scene. I was so excited. When I saw him in the credits, I'm like, please tell me he's a hitman. Yeah. And he was, and I yeah. was so happy. So then this is when, this is John Lithgow comes back, and he's following Sally, or so he thinks is Sally. And he's following her through the Reading Terminal Market in Philly. And there's lots of diopter shots. The Reading, it is yeah. the coolest place in the world. Yeah. It's like a permanent farmer's market in the middle of the city, but with like only- It's like a like, megaplex mall, it feels like. Yeah, it's yeah. like- Jeffrey from Philly. I am from Philly. They go there in National Treasure as well. Oh that. yeah, it's where it's where Abigail hides when she's being chased by like the thugs, and the one woman's like- what are you doing? And she's like, I'm hiding from my, my ex-husband. And she's like, honey, you stay as long as you like. It's like that, that same that, that little market. Water bottle. Yeah. yeah. That same little water, that like, cause that's like a fish market thing. Right. And she hides behind that same booth, which is the same booth. John Lithgow takes like the pick out of the like ice tray or whatever. Yeah. And there's the, a diopter shot of him grabbing the, that. And this, uh, is, this is pretty much what it's like. Yeah. Showing pictures. Look up if you're at home right now. Look up Reading Terminal Market, and unless you're driving, in which case, wait until you get home. Um, Reading Terminal, Terminal spelled like reading. Yeah, like reading. It's like just the coolest place in the world. How often do um, tourists call it Reading Terminal, Jeff? Um, I don't know because they all are killed before <laughs> they say that. <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, so John Lithgow um, follows. He follows her through that. Oh, his name is Burke, by the way. And this is a this is a great sequence that. You know, we haven't even we've talked so much hype about this movie. We haven't even talked about how good the cinematography is in this movie. Yeah. Gosh. Well, we talk a lot about yeah. the diopter shots. <laughs> we talk about and but like the colors in this but it, movie. But it's, yeah. it's it's so striking. I it's think it like, get, it reaches the peak in the first killing yeah. scene when like he grabs her and they fall yeah. down this dirt pit yeah. and it's yeah. just this red light yeah. that's just like and, pouring yeah. all over them. And even when they're walking through the terminal market, like there's so many neon signs and like harsh lights and yeah. De Palma and uh, how do you pronounce his last name you just did it filmos jigamon yes i'm gonna let mark just say the name every time you guys talk about cinematography i I gotta pee oh my god (laughs) this is here's my thing about an hour and 30 minutes (laughs) here's my thing about 
well, this is going to be two and a half hours. Let's just be real. <laughs> What's the Wi-Fi to this place? Do you know? Or I'm just going to look it up on my phone. Can you look up the aspect ratio of this movie? I think it's 235. Yeah. It's anamorphic. But the use of it is probably... Aesthetically, that's like not my favorite. I don't love 235. Mm-hmm. But I think nobody does it better than De Palma. Yeah. And I think it's because his, his the way he frames his shots. His shots are so... 239. 239. Sure. So, so they're even wider. Yeah. So it's... Yeah. But it's... I mean, and, and he can do shots like he does like in the chase where yeah. it's just like half close up, half wide shot of her on the elevator. Yeah. And you're just like, it's the best. I mean, it's it's so. And it's all cinematography and choices in terms of building tension. Mm-hmm. Like everything is all about the tension and the sequence is all tension of just you're literally watching a girl walking. But you're, it's so emotional. Yeah, it's so terrifying. And you're, you just know she's going to die. Yeah. And you think it's uh, Nancy Allen the whole time mm-hmm. until the end. Yeah. I mean, and like, so, you know that you're not getting, like, a close-up of her. So yeah. you know there's not going to be some switch-up. You know, I think, like, to an extent, yeah. because they're not giving her face. But the whole time you're like, is it? Or yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Because you've seen her in the coat. Yeah. And, so and you've just seen them yeah. get closer and yeah. closer together. And you're yeah. like, when's well, this going to finally just happen? Yeah. And then it happens on a bridge. And he jumps at her. Yeah. And they tussle down a dirt hill. <laughs> Into a quarry. Yeah, into, into a... Like, into a I don't even know where this is. I guess. Into yeah. a, he's back. Uh, they're in a quarry. <laughs> would you, would you call s- that a quarry? Yeah. Quarry? It's a quarry. Yeah. It's a quarry. Yeah, we're still on the murder scene. He's still on uh, the murder so scene. So they, they get into the quarry, and he strangles her. This is he, going well, I think. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and then he turns the body over, and he looks, and it's not Nancy Allen. It's some poor, innocent girl. Yeah. And John Lithgow's like, fuck, I got the wrong one. Honestly, honestly, I mean, like... This movie's mistake. not doing too many favors by its ladies. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, and that's just a... It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> She's that, like, every woman in this is murdered. Yeah, every or, yeah. acti- or a prostitute. Or, or, or a prostitute, or auditioning to be a woman Who screams <laughs> shirtless in a and murdered in a shower. Um, Needless to say, this does not pass the uh, the, the Bechdel the test. Bechdel test. Yes. It so. doesn't, yeah. Yeah, half a Bechdel test. I mean, it's not even. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not even two women who talk to each other. Yeah, alone about anything of substance. And that's when he stabs her multiple times. Yes. Um. He, no, the... he doesn't stab her multiple times. He stabs her and makes the shape of the Liberty Bell on her stomach. Because which is revealed later. Yeah. While being a professional hitman, John Lithgow is also a psychopath. Artist. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but no i remember he's just like he's Jesus holding the knife up and fuck. he's like shit what am i gonna put and then he looks and he, sees the, li- and he sees the liberty bell on like a poster and he's like but also he only like, live once he's, he's <laughs> he got these it. like serial killer motivations where his motivations feel like i found this cool fucking watch and <laughs> <laughs> he can pull like yeah. he can pull some kind of wire some straight metal wire out of it and just fucking hang people yeah. and he's like you're just like He's, you go John. He's running wild. <laughs> so after this <laughs> scene, uh Sally visits the Manny, the photographer. Yeah, she goes to see Manny. And yeah. I love the opening of the scene before she goes into Manny's apartment. When Manny's by himself. Yeah. Manny the photographer, because he's like he's expecting her to come by. And he's like doing a whole rehearsal about what he's gonna say to her. And right. he's gonna talk with her. And he's like, Hey Sal, how you doing? Uh, you know, uh just doing great and yada yada yada. Want a drink? Want some scotch? But uh, there's such a like undercurrent of this movie about just like rehearsals and like staging things yeah yeah and i love that even he's rehearsing 
who he's going to be when she walks in the room. And then she comes in and he says exactly what he was rehearsing. It's such a cool sequence. But then uh, she's at, she's asking him for the film because she's trying to get it uh, from for Jack. Yeah. Yeah. These sequences um, are interesting because these are these are kind of the flattest sequences. Yeah. And they're kind of the only time he really uses like proper like tracking two shots yeah. in the in his little like dingy room. Yeah, they're kind of like the only business scene. It's kind of yeah, and it's kind of like we got just in the other one feel like yeah. business. Yeah. The palm was like not too interested in Manny beyond his like plot purpose. Yeah. Yeah. But um there's actually two of these scenes too yeah. because the first time she's with him and then she's like, I was in the car yeah. and it's like, well, I mean, accidents happen, you yeah. know, oh, we, we didn't even talk about his motivation was revealed. Yeah. yeah. Manny, the photographer, um, it turns out that the reason Sally was in the car with, um, McRyan was it was a sting. Operation. Yeah. They were running yeah. that little scheme that they, they, they run a scheme where him. she pretends to sleep with, wealthy men and he was or hired she by with whoever men. this guy was. and then he'll run in and take photos and blackmail them yeah that's and like they scam. did it as like a small scheme together and they yeah. were hired to do it to mcryan for six thousand though she only, he only that, told her three yeah 000. that photo is funny because he is like what yeah and she's <laughs> just like what? she's yeah. just like all right she's like yeah this is shit again yeah <laughs> and that's when afterwards i think we may have already talked about it but then it cuts back to travolta in his studio syncing up the sound with yeah. the footage or the copies of the footage that he has yeah and he's syncing it up and he sees a gunshot and all that stuff and then we go to the police station i'm gonna say we skipped around a little bit yeah. so but it's like that's what i was thinking about this movie is it's like it's so plotty yeah, yeah. But like any of these scenes work in any like you could put them in any order. You could kind of arrange them in any order, and it feels so like I was so just kind of like I don't know that it like it. Um, I'm really bad at that. Oh, <laughs> That's <sorry>. my job. <laughs> um, the movie like it just kind of like takes over where you're not even processing some of them because the information isn't like yeah, it's not. There were a few times, like, plotting moments where I'm just, like, not writing notes. I'm like, okay, this is business. Yeah. Like, gotta get De Palma this. knows when, he's, when he has to give you some business. Yeah. So we can get back to, like... But the... Yeah. This kind of flow of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the police station is definitely one of them when he's having that argument with the cops, and then he, like, tries to take the footage away, and they're like, no, that's evidence. So what I love about that scene yeah. in particular when he's talking to the cops is he's like... Uh, I need the original footage. It's like, can you find me like the photographer? It's like, we don't know where he is. And then John Travolta goes find him. He has a fucking store. (laughs) (laughs) He just goes to his store. Like the cops didn't know that this asshole like had his own store that it's like, Oh, well Jack found him really quickly. And that's where like, there's a security guard and he's like, I need the footage or I'm looking for this guy. I have an appointment. He's like, Oh, I bet you were trying to get the footage. So I don't know more business stuff, but, um, so then, uh, Lith, that's uh, Lithgow who's working on the tapes and stuff. Yeah. This is when Lithgow like goes in. Well, yeah, we don't see him go in. We don't see him go in. John Trolls just gets a call from the cop and he's like, "You, the whole tape is empty. What are you trying to pull on us? Yep, yep. And then Travolta runs back to his office and it's been ransacked and all of his tapes are empty. That yep. amazing shot. Yeah, it's like a 360 yeah. spin, yeah. but just and keeps he's happening. Just, and the, the white noise is just like creeping. And Travolta's yeah. just throwing he's all these just, tapes on to try beautiful. and get but a sound to play. And they're all blank. Yeah. Except for you think you hear one where it's a phone. And you think like, oh, one of them's working. It's a phone sound. Mm-hmm. But then his assistant comes in the room. And he's like, are you going to answer your phone <laughs> or yeah. no? Yeah. Like at first Beautiful. I was like, because you, you know he's tucked it up in the roof. You're like, don't, you, you don't worry about the lost evidence. You know you have, yeah. you have the spare. But it's like 
his life's yeah his work, life's work is his gone. life's work has just been deleted. like his his commitment to the truth in this conspiracy has destroyed his life's work yeah yeah and uh that's when the 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 assistant walks in it's like was well, somebody in here it's like yeah somebody like walked in it's like why did you let why are you the world's worst assistant <laughs> <laughs> it's like i have valuable stuff in here i work for very high value clients <laughs> and like bloody beach one yeah. <laughs> and all that stuff those are the name of the movies that travolta works on bloody beach or something like bloody beach one bloody beach two yeah. the bloody something yeah, yeah a lot of blood. blood he did yeah like um, so then Travolta then gets visited by a reporter, um, who they're talking about like giving over the tapes and all that stuff. And he, and he still needs the footage. Jack talks to Sally about it. Sally, who kind of reveals her job to Travolta as being the person who blackmails these folks, but he doesn't seem to mind or care that much. So that's when Sally goes to visit Manny a second time. Yes. And, uh, yeah. And she, she at this point she's fully caught up in yeah. Travolta's like quest for the truth yeah and to expose this conspiracy yeah because she feels guilty about part because she thinks she's part of the reason that mcryan died right she's like our scheme was what led to his death and also she was a disposable factor yeah she's like like, they didn't care about me if she drowned in the car with him it would have been fine so she wants truth and revenge at the same time yeah um and manny's not going to give her the tape uh instead he tries to like force himself on her yeah Yeah. manny's weird in that scene too because manny's like we're not complicit. We didn't do anything. Yeah. And she's like, fine, cool. I'm going to go, hey, well, we did something. They're going to come after and us. And I remember, I can't remember what the line is, but Travolta says like, we're like fish to them or something like that. And she says that to, uh, yeah, to Manny. I mean, he's like, wouldn't you swallow a box of animal crackers on the way in? <laughs> so she smashes his head uh, with, with a, a beer bo- bottle, with a beer bottle and One takes the original bunk. film. Yeah. yeah. He, cl- he and collapses. So Jack has a footage and his plan is to go to the press and he gets off the phone with the reporter. And Donahue. at the same time, uh, Let's go. Burke has, yeah. has like his phone tapped or whatever. He breaks into his basement. Yeah, like, taps, taps his, his phone. phone. And that's when Burke, call, or Burke, who impersonates the reporter, calls Sally and is like, can you bring the original tape? I want to meet you at this place. Yeah, I want to meet you at Penn's Landing during the fireworks show. And then she tells Travolta. Oh, no, it's, it's, at the, it's at the train station. Yeah, it's the train station. So then sally then tells travolta it's like oh donahue called me it's like i've been waiting on donahue to call me all day and it's like well he's probably i've been calling you it's like my phone hasn't been ringing yeah and that that's a little bit of businessy but yeah. at any rate um so she's going to so he's like meet well, up with this reporter he's like i don't think this is trustworthy i'm gonna wire you yeah when you meet the reporter and i'm wire. gonna listen in the whole time yeah and so he does i love it and he's sitting outside of this movie theater or not this movie theater the station outside of this trade station yeah and Sally's in there, and she finally comes across Burke. Well, you missed the whole bit where Burke kills a prostitute. Oh, yeah, he, he, he just, like... For funsies. He's hanging out, and he's like, yeah, I'm just gonna kill a woman to get... Like, That's before on. they meet up? That's before they meet up, because he's, like, messing with his wash thing, and there's this whole conversation with a sailor and this uh, prostitute talking. Yeah. They go to a phone booth. Burke goes in a phone booth, watches like a creeper. The sailor is like, not so fast, not so fast. And then he like leaves the yeah, phone booth, tosses her a ten. $10. It's like, what, where's my 30? It's like, you missed your chance, honey. So then she is like just in this phone booth. And then Burke like taps on the glass, yeah. John Lithgow, and is like doing these like blowjob motions, like asking because he puts yeah. a 50 on. Yeah. And she's like, the fuck you, man. And then she walks out, goes to the bathroom. She's not fuck you. She's like, 
I'll be back in five yeah, minutes. Five oh, minutes. She's like, I'll be back that. in five minutes. It was like, you wait right maybe there. Maybe it's because like the and way she, she goes and she brushes her teeth. Yeah. Because she's going to go she's back. Got, she, so she's in the bathroom. And then it cuts to this like low angle facing up from the bathroom and stall. And just like hanging over the stall. <laughs> with his like watch wire. <laughs> and like she like moves around and thinks she hears something. And, and he's then just that go. tall. He's yeah. not even on his tippy toe. Lithgow actually, actually is pretty tall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's actually really tall. And so. If this wasn't such a horrifying scene about like sexually motivated murder, it would yeah. almost be a comedy routine how much he's yeah. like he's hanging over the stall with the wire and she, like, she turns around he like stands back and up. he's just back. waiting for her to drop her toothbrush yes <laughs> so then eventually he finds an opening and he strangles her yes and then we cut to him dropping off sally at the station yes travolta drops sally off and he's like i'm gonna be listening the whole time you're wired yeah and so she goes in and it takes a little bit before she finds Lithgow. i love this bit where she's like hey jack if you're listening like we should blah blah blah, blah like yeah. talk about this stuff because that happens to me as a sound guy on film sets where like actors would be like, Hey sound guy. So, uh, I think I'm going to start yelling at this scene. You may want to like put the game down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm just like, thank you <laughs> to the talent. <laughs> so I just love that a little bit there. Yeah. But yeah, so then she, that's when she's in the station, takes her a little while. Then Burke comes up yeah. and it's like, Oh, hi, uh, Sally. He puts on an accent. Yeah. And Trollta is immediately like, that's this, not Donahue. this ain't Donahue. <laughs> this ain't Donahue. <laughs> so so, like, Let's go this way. And, so he runs in after her. Yeah. But by that point, he doesn't know where she is, and he can't communicate with her. Yeah, only so he, he has just to has go to, by. He has to go by what she's saying. Yeah, and so he has to just get lucky where she's like, "Oh, we're going downstairs," or "Hey, look, a train," or and he sees the station, starts running yeah. down the train he's station like, tunnel. Down. He like jumps over a like a an entry point, and the guy's like, "Hey, you need to pay your ticket." <laughs> and Joel's running, he's running, and then he's in like the opening like hallway areas yeah. he doesn't know what train she's on and so she says something like this is like a dump and it's like yeah it's like a lot of bad things happen on the red line yeah, yeah. <laughs> then he sees the red line and starts running down that yeah. way and he and burke is leading her down this like really slummy one he's ready to strangle her this, and then yeah. a cleaning dude comes out yeah pulls this the is like uh and she's just like this fucking guy <laughs> well, this is i love this bit so much because like she's talking about like also dangerous things happen here like people yeah. have you heard that thing about the killer who like lures his victims down here i'm like nancy what are you doing <laughs> this is like my big bit with nancy because like um, well, as far as she's concerned this guy's just a reporter yeah but it's like the dialogue such a lovable face are you more are you, are you interested more with her character not her performance that's the thing it's sure. like her like the way it's written is her it's so like is over pretty. the top like you know, it's like I imagine like the because uh, Brian wrote Brian De Palma wrote yeah, this. He did. So imagine like Brian De Palma sitting at his desk writing this. It's like, hmm, how can I make this like situational irony uh, pop here? It's like, oh, killers lead their victims down here. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, it's okay. Like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> it's like she's totally clueless to him yeah, being a serial like, killer. Yeah, this is a dangerous place, isn't it? And it's like some people lead their victims all the way down to that area where we're walking towards right now. And then look and out, then she's the like, hose guy. She's like, um, John Lithgow, we're fully in the tunnel now. We're not on the platform anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny she actually just refers to him as John Lithgow. <laughs> yeah. She's like, John Lithgow, why are we here? Yeah. And then John Lithgow's just like, yeah, let's get on this train that's coming up. Let's just do that. And then so John Travolta is like running through. Uh, it's such a good child. You're inside the train, and you're and the uh, John Lithgow and Karen, Nancy Allen are just talking. And in the back, you just see Travolta running and waving his arms <laughs> and screaming, "Sally, get off the train!" And then oh. this scene is amazing. The craziest fucking car. This chase. is the craziest fucking oh, scene. Oh <laughs> yeah, the car <laughs> chase. Where, where, where Travolta's just like, "All right, 
I only got one thing I can do now. I got to beat him to the next stage. <laughs> so he runs during up to, a parade. So he runs up to his car and he like just zips it through. Yeah. He comes across a parade. There's a bunch of cops blocking it. He's like, tough he's gonna die if i don't do this he goes up these steps like thank yeah. god he drives like a fucking what is it like he a drives jeep a jeep a, like up, yeah. a, up a flight of steps through the philadelphia like city hall like he's driving in yep. he's driving in city hall not outside of it or around it beautiful helicopter in shots. city hall. helicopter shots yeah. and then he plows past city hall into the middle of the parade people are like jumping and leaping out of the way he's like going up on the yeah. sidewalk he's and going then... up on the sidewalk travolta's performance is so calculated yeah. he's oh, so like he's i like, know exactly what i'm doing and then the car is just like bitch is <laughs> not is not moving at all it's just going straight <laughs> yes and people are just moving out of yeah. the way but travolta's just like yes yes yes, yes he's like stop, stop, he's like don't move i believe it <laughs> And that's uh, when, and then he just drives it into a building. He drives into a building. <laughs> he drives into a building and gets and, knocked unconscious. And he, his head flies forward and there's blood coming out. I thought he had died when, like, I mean, I, I, I was like, did I was like, did he just die? Great decision if he did. That would have been amazing. That would have been great. It's <laughs> like, oh, oh, he, he just died. <laughs> but no, um, he didn't we, die. He, he's unconscious. And we go from day to night. And that's yeah. when my thought, it's like, he's been unconscious for a long enough period yeah. of time. Surely Sally's dead. Yeah. But we, we cut She's to not. Sally and John look down. They're just hanging out at Penn's Land and watching these fireworks. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's lovely fireworks. Do you have the tapes? I'm going to put them on the air. And she's like telling him all about like the technical specs. Yeah. Like, yeah, like uh, uh, Jack told me to tell you it's like 16 millimeter. It's like, yep, it, yep. It looks like 16. All right. And he pulls and it out he, and he rips it and he wraps it around <laughs> the thing and he throws it in and the river. And like, that's when hey, I get I my favorite line my favorite line from that sally says it's like she's just like very like casually mad not like over she's not freaking out it's like what the fuck are you doing that's our tape no she's like hey jack's gonna kill you (laughs) you. uh metaphorical and then she realizes what happened and then we cut back to an ambulance yeah where travolta is passed out yeah i like that this guy broke through police barriers drove through city hall endangered hundreds of pedestrians and crashed into a building and destroyed property and they just have him in an ambulance he's like not, an ambulance. He's, he's not, not handcuffed he, he's not handcuffed he's just and then he gets up and he runs out and he still <laughs> his earpiece on him he just throws it in and he still and has the earpiece still on. on it's still working yeah. it's still transmitting yeah. all that and shit. so he's running and this is this is actually my favorite scene in this movie like what's I mean, the range just, on those transmitters because that's they're pretty far apart this and, and now but now we're getting into it yeah. this last like 15 minutes transcendent is and the movie just goes quiet because the movie has been all business yeah. and talky-talky into this scene, into that room. And the business is good. I love yeah. all the business. I don't think there's like a wasted moment yeah. in this movie. Yeah. But then the movie just kind of like turns everything off, turns Pino's score up. Yeah. And it's just... It's just fireworks going off. He's running Travolta through running through a crowd. Yeah. And she is being like lured somewhere. Like I will say one thing: Burke had a few opportunities to kill her, and then just chose like, no, I'm gonna drag her up the stairs. And he's up. so theatrical, and yeah, you know when true. he's in the bathroom with her, and he's like, no, it's got to be this way. He's such a he's his, an artist, and yeah, it goes back to the, like I never thought of it. That no, way. it goes back that to like true. it goes it's back his, to like yeah. every character in this movie. Or thinking is of himself is, as an artist, is trying to like <laughs> present a version of themselves and like be an artist, like. Even Manny at that one point is rehearsing how he's going to present himself when she comes in. Yeah. Burke is such like a theatrical. Everyone in this movie is so performative. Yeah. That Burke is like, no, I need to kill her in front of the giant American flag as the fireworks are going yeah. off. And so he dra- instead of just stabbing her and throwing her in the river, which would have been easy right there. He could have done it. No one noticed. He drags her 
up to like this huge American flag above all the crowd. Presumably like with many opportunities, he could have been spotted. Yeah. Travolta's running through and he just sees Nancy. Nancy locks eyes with him and she like thrust herself over fence. And she's like, Jack. And she's waving her arms. And it's just Karen Allen's I mean, upper it's... body with the stars and stripes behind her and Nancy massive Allen. Nancy Allen. Yeah. You see Karen Allen. Uh, Indiana Jones good movie Uh, (laughs) huge like stars and stripes behind her and it's like oh this is some good shit right here yeah she's juxtaposed with the American flag like this is the freedom of this country from this movie is like it's all just conspiracy and murder and all that yeah it's like not even the main idea of the movie but De Palma at the end is like I'm gonna throw a little conspiracy business in there as a treat (laughs) um so Jack's and, in pursuit. And Jack's in pursuit, and he's running up. And he hears everything going yeah. on. And he hears her scream. And no, the music just cuts out yeah. during her scream. It's just, ah! That's where she hears Jack. When yeah. She, when, 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 when she screams Jack. Yeah. She screams and he hears Jack. it here, and he hears it there. Yeah. And, yeah. She goes, and then she just screams. Yeah. And then Lithgow grabs her, and he's strangling her. Yeah. Travolta's running up the steps. And finally, Lithgow pulls a knife up to, like, I guess, carve the Liberty Bell under her. Yeah. Because he's doing that now. Yeah. Uh, but Travolta manages to get up behind him and stab Lithgow multiple times. With his with, own. With his own like, knife. Yeah. And Lithgow dies. And he falls. But then, revealing. also, Nancy Allen is also dead. Yeah. Yeah. Strangled. And she has, like, strangle marks. And she's and then Travolta just grabs her body and oh, holds it up. We're going to talk about 360. And we're spinning around them. A beautiful 360. With fireworks going Low off. Angle, and like, facing up so you see like the Like reds and blues blasting on them. This huge flag, fireworks. Oh, my God. Be- most beautiful shot in the movie, hands oh down. Oh, my Is this in- God. It's so beautiful. Do, do you either of you know if this was all in camera? My guess is it is. The fireworks has bit, to be. I feel like I feel like the pan. Could that have been green screen? Like they shot the fireworks no, I, separate, I, and I, then they just green screen. But like for, for De Palma, I could just see them setting off it. the fireworks. Yeah, they it, feel it like they're like moving a, at different speeds, which is the one of the most mm-hmm. affecting things about the yeah. image. I could be wrong. I could just watch it now. But like, <laughs> um, but the fire, the three sixty low angle facing up at the sky yeah. fireworks scene. Ooh, you just I, I just cried. We got cinematographer buddies just, watching this. It's so purpose. emotional and so magic. If we got like that's what movies are all about. Yeah, folks who are interested in cinematography and lighting and all that stuff, just watch the movie for just that shot. Yeah, it is. So you can just watch that shot and just be like, yeah, I got, I got. I mean, also that's like the that's the movie. That's the, the whole movie's in that shot. Top it, to bottom, this movie looks great though. Yeah, this whole movie, this whole movie's great. <laughs> it it does look really good. Top to bottom. So yeah, um, so she's dead. She's dead. We now fade out. We fade back on Travolta sitting in the snow. In a, on a park bench. On a park bench. Listening. It, is, it has presumably been some time. And he's still listening to that conversation yeah, they had. Yeah, that he had. Because he, can't, he like, can't let her go. He yeah. feels like just as he failed that undercover cop. Yeah. He failed it, McRyan. He failed her. Yeah. It's a conversation we've heard before. Yeah. yeah. Or I think it is. It, it's like yeah. when she talks to the mic to Jack. Oh, it's when he says She's that. like, so yeah. Jack, like, when are we going to do this or whatever yeah. afterwards? And then, so we, we get that in the park bench scene. And then we go to the film studio again, the little theater thing, yeah. where they're going through screams. Yeah. Yeah. And like, they start with the movie screen substitutes with all the other actresses or whatever, but then it like intercuts and then overlaps into her screams. He's when- using her scream, isn't it, in the movie? Yeah. Yeah, he's using oh, her scream. Oh, I didn't know she was, he was using no, her he, scream. No, he used her scream that he recorded. Oh, that's fucked up. In the movie. That's... 
that's yeah. a that's a bit fucked up. <laughs> you didn't yeah. you didn't put that together? No, I did it. I no. thought it was just a scream, and he was associating it with her scream. No, bro. Because the because he failed to make this thing that was able to like create change and expose this conspiracy, and so the only like way he can keep her memory, and the only like truth he can find, is bringing out her real scream and putting it in the shitty horror movie. Yeah. Well, uh, that's a lot to take in. <laughs> and that even and just before that, like from between the scene and when he's on the bench in the snow and into the theater room, you have like 15 seconds of just like, and the conspiracies are still there. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. The election will go yeah. on however it was. This shit's just going to yeah. repeat itself. This is just, it's it, just it part of the business. Really matter. There's nothing the you can do about the country. it. Yeah. And all he can do is make that shitty horror movie and put her scream in. And the director is like, Jack, that's a great scream. And he's just like, yep. And it's like that, it. that mini, that movie that they're making is like, in a sense, how De Palma is like looking at blowout as like, it's this piece of like populist entertainment. And that's the only way he can get like something authentic into the world is yeah. by hiding it in that. Yeah. And that her scream is the only authentic part of that horror movie. Jesus. And then it ends with Travolta and he's like crying listening to her scream. Because his boss is like, that's a great scream! And Travolta's just like, good scream, good scream, it's a great scream. And then cut to black. Directed by Brian De Palma. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) What a movie. What a a fucking movie. movie. What a fucking ending. A lot of people hated the ending when it first came out. Yeah, this... um, stupid this movie bombed at the box office yeah no good partially as a result of that ending uh for it had it had bad word of mouth because people are like it's a miserable ending we're in the 80s now we like optimism yeah Mm -hmm. it's like we like happy endings everything in the 70s ends miserably and it made all this money and then everything in the 80s ends happy yeah um, because people decided we don't like sadness anymore sure because we're i think we're out of vietnam yeah, we've been at we're it's like we had we dealt with Nixon, we have Reagan now, he tells us America's great, so we're just gonna We're happy now. We're happy now. Yeah. It's not as if the Brian De Palma's movies end with, you know, notes of joy. Oh yeah, no. Carrie's vine Oh yeah. Carrie's vine <laughs> very nihilistic. Yeah, all of his I mean, movies are nihilistic. You know, it's like it's not like people would have been surprised. I don't know. I yeah. guess it was just like popular audiences who because this is or maybe they're just like of a shit. All of Travolta's movies to this point have had like moderately optimistic yeah. endings boy in the plastic bubble is kind of a mix more in the plastic bubble ends with him probably dying but he also rides off on a horse yeah so it's you know, a little take it's good ambiguous but ambiguous in the way that like you kind of know like how it's gonna still end still talking about movies brian de palma directed i was like <laughs> oh that's, i didn't put that together <laughs> <laughs> but even um even saturday night fever ends on the hint of optimism that men can get better mm um yeah and presumably next week we're gonna learn that no they actually can't (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah but um you know this is the first travolta movie where it has this like miserable ending and it's very much him maturing as an artist and as a performer and i think the fact that audiences roundly rejected it is what's gonna tee us up for the next 13 years of travolta's career where it's like all like 20 percent rotten tomatoes (laughs) movies with a like no real effort on his end or the filmmaker's end to try and make something interesting out of it. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about that plenty because we have like 20 movies to watch in that area. Oh God. Do we really? Not 20. No, it's not. It's How many like movies eight. did you make in the eighties? Um, I think we have like eight. 
it's well are we including one, all the tv two, movies three, he did four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve fuck. we have 12 to watch before we get oh, pulp fiction fuck uh so we have 12 80s movies which uh, are all like you know fairly rough but it's just i think it's the failure of this movie that tees him up for that yeah because you know to both him and to someone who would finance a movie he's in serious travolta is not marketable and it's not until we get to Pulp Fiction that Sears Travolta becomes marketable again. Yeah. They're like, oh, wait, this guy's actually pretty good. It's like a childhood trauma. Yeah. It's like Travolta who could have been propelled as this like actor, yeah. like somebody who like goes for it, goes for the roles and really takes it seriously and really dives deep. Well, this was his chance to do that. And it it kind of kind of spat at his face yeah. a little bit of it and i don't think it's at all an accident that his next movie is a sequel to his most to his second most successful movie yeah where he's like eh, this didn't work out i need to go back to the basics yeah and which i think about and we're going to talk about staying alive but when you think about because this is after rocky yeah so sylvester stallone directing john travolta reprising his oscar nominated role it probably seemed like a shoo-in what it probably seemed like a shoo-in it was gonna like be a hit yeah and it wasn't Instead, this movie, which only made $13 million in the box office when it was expected to make 60 to 80. Yeah. That's terrible. Mm. It's so sad. Yeah, it is sad. However, but thank you, Quentin Tarantino. True. Yes. Quentin Tarantino says this is one of his three favorite movies. Yeah. I believe it. Man has pretty good taste. Yeah. Side note, side note, side note. <laughs> Do we remember that year where, like, Quentin Tarantino used to put out his top 10 favorite movies of every year? He's just, like, put it on his blog or whatever. And there was a year where Tangled was his... In 2010, Tangled was his number one movie of the year. I remember year. Tangled. There's another year. Lone, Lone Ranger was in one of them. I mixed, I think I missed, I'm mixing it up with Sofia Coppola and Daddy's Home. <laughs> I'm mixing that up on that yeah. thing on her list. There's another one. There's a weird one on his list. Yeah. Toy Story 3. I think it was Toy Story 3 and Tangled are both like his top like five. Mm-hmm. It's like the man knows... It's Quentin Tarantino. Like you could... Tangled's I, I trust good. Tangled's a great movie. Tangled's yeah. fucking... Uh, but he also loved the Lone Ranger, which is actually a real good movie. I enjoy it. I haven't seen it. You should. Yeah. Well, everyone should who thinks that the Lone Ranger is bad should probably rewatch it because it's actually pretty good. Yeah, Johnny Depp aside, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um. Anyway, this is one of his. <laughs> Blow. It's one of his favorite movies. Um. And it's what. And was, it will be one of mine. Yes, <laughs> I think. I mean, this. I. I feel very unequipped to talk about this movie because I only watched it this morning. As did both of you i watched my last i watched you've never seen it before so i started last night and then i was like this is gonna be better for in the morning because i was like i was just drifting off not because of the movie at at all but i feel like the movie was so like um uh effective and i also don't know i I didn't come away with like that's what this movie's about yeah it is it's a there's a lot of things it's a lot of things it is very emotional yeah um but yeah, I just remember I didn't catch a breath. Yeah, the whole movie. And, 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 yeah, the whole movie. It was, it was something else. It's a movie about a sound recordist who's the hero. Yeah, and that, I'm that, proud of you. That, that I know. tickles me. But to, scene. to quickly finish off the, the Tarantino bit, <laughs> sure. uh, it's this movie that will result to him casting in Pulp Fiction. So this movie does come around and save John Travolta in the future, mm-hmm. even if it hurt him at the time. That's pretty much all I had to Because the, the movie right. he does before Pulp Fiction is Look Who's Talking 2? Is it? the third look who's talking look who's talking now oh the one where the dog talks oh. Stu, you still don't know who voices the baby and look who's talking to you no i do do not look it up <laughs> i want you to be thoroughly surprised when we watch that movie i'm really scared <laughs> and i am begging you not to look up anything about guesses, look who's talking. but like 
I don't even know if I want to guess. No, you do just don't go do, into it blind. Yeah, don't look. Just when we get to that movie, just put it on and watch it and figure out who voices the baby. And I'm going to be very pleased. Okay, but we're getting close to that point. Um, and we'll be covering it in the coming weeks. Yeah, starting next week with staying alive. I feel like we're leaving an era with this episode, Jeff. Yeah, we have. We're leaving uh, good Travolta era. Era. What are some of the ones you have after staying after staying alive? Well, for both Mark and our uh, and our listeners, our yeah, upcoming to look forward to roster is uh, staying alive. Okay, two of a kind, perfect. Basements, specifically the segment the dumb waiter, the experts. Look who's talking. <laughs> Chains of gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not which is the only movie that John Travolta wrote. Uh, look who's talking to. Eyes of an angel. Shout. Boris and Natasha. Look who's talking now, and then finally Pulp Fiction. Yeah, so for folks who have enjoyed our mixed bag of good and bad movies, mostly good. Yeah. Mostly. Well, we, we've had, we've had, uh, we, had Carrie, we had one stinker. We had Grease. We had Saturday Night Fever. Uh, we had Urban Cowboy. We now have Blowout. Yeah. You know, I think our true horrendous ones, moment by moment, Boy in the Plastic Bubble is kind of a lukewarm. It's pretty fun. Lukewarm. And then we got. I gave it a three out of six. I gave it a three. And then we got the awful Devil's Reign that we no one wants to talk. Nope, it's not. It's a terrible movie. Very can't wait to watch it. It's horrible. But here's where your hardcore fans will be determined. Here are the people who are sticking with you. This is where we discover (laughs) who our real listeners of the show are with the movies. Well, I will be listening. Yes, thank you. Yeah, Mark, we appreciate it. I know. We were glad to have you on. We're thrilled to have you on again in the future. I can't wait to come back and talk about basic, (laughs) basic, and ladder forty nine. Ladder, you're on Ladder 49, too? Yeah. I um, watched Ladder 49 a lot growing up. Me, too, surprisingly. Very weird movie. Well, it's like, I've never seen there it. There really wasn't, like, a lot of firefighter movies. And that was, yeah. like, the firefighter That was patriotic. the firefighter movie. There were a lot of, like, you know, cop movies. It's like, cops are awesome mm-hmm. and hardcore. Yeah. There wasn't really much for, like, firefighters. Yeah. Ladder 49 was that for firefighters. Well, it was the basic trailer was on a bunch of DVDs I had when I was a kid. And there's a shot not to spoil anything in the movie, where John Travolta is someone is holding someone's face next to an airplane propeller. <laughs> and I, like, would fast-forward through that show because I couldn't fucking watch it. It was too scary. I would just be like, uh, uh, getting the, the, the whole menu. 49? No, this isn't basic. Uh, <laughs> basic. Okay. Oh, I was like, what is this firefighter? Stuart was like, I gotta rewatch this fucking movie. <laughs> rewatch Letter 49. I was like, John Travolta's no, a firefighter. <laughs> and then I watched basic when I was, like, 11 or 12. And it, it was like, yeah. You'll get to it. Yeah. You'll get to it. We will get to that, and we'll be happy to have you with us when that happens. Can't wait. Can't wait. But this was this movie was a joy, and yes. I've been wanting to get around to it for so long. Yeah. And I'm happy I did. I'm happy you were here I'm for I'm going to fill up De Palma now, because it's just too interesting, the ones mm. I've missed. Yeah. It's... i got to watch Dress to Kill. i got to watch you gotta, Sisters. you got to watch all the modern-day hits. All De Palma's modern-day hits? Yeah, the, which is no. uh, a little rough. Tony Scott's Domino is the only domino in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I only got room for one domino. Dress to Kill, The Untouchables, Body yeah. Double. The most, re- yeah, the most recent movie was Domino with uh, Mel Gibson, right? Oh, no. Uh, n- <laughs> uh, Jamie Lannister. <laughs> yeah, Jamie Lannister. <laughs> I, can, I, I, I can say his name. I just prefer calling him yeah, Jamie, Jamie Lannister. Lannister. Yeah. Anyone from Game of Thrones is just the name of their character. 100%. Except for uh, Peter Dinklage. Anyway. Anyway. Thank you all, folks, for listening. Uh, next week, as we said, you can tune in for our episode on Staying Alive. Uh, beginning the Descend into Madness with Stu and I. Oh, gosh. We have, uh, we have like, a, a 
empty ditch of guests in the coming months. So it's just going to be us struggling. <laughs> it's um, going to be another to, now. See, people by now would have already listened to the moment by moment episode. Yeah, it's very much going to be the moment by moment episode, Expect but more of the moment by moment, <laughs> well, which is gonna we're gonna see a dip in followers. I and I, streams. I can't email Barack Obama again. So <laughs> it's not going to be like the moment. You get moment. one. I get one yeah. chance to email him. Yeah, um, there's more celebrities we can email to get on our podcast. Him, what if one of them comes on? Well, <laughs> we, still I, got, we still got to get that astronaut for the IMAX. Yeah, that's our documentary. Find Martin? the co-director's email, the the secret co-director. This John uh, uh, John G. Fox. Yeah. This so, is this, yeah. This is uh, my message to John G. Fox, who I know you're still out there. We will find you, and we will bring our microphones, and you will come on our podcast, and you will come on our podcast. Anyway, yes, make sure to please <laughs> rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. As a reminder, we're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Yeah. We appreciate every subscribe. We appreciate every like, every listen. It really does help, and it really does make the difference. So thank you to those who have. And if you haven't, we'd appreciate it. Um, additionally, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at TravoltingPod. You know, there's a lot of fun stuff there. Um, you can e- you can pop into our Reddit or slash Travolting. Has anything happened with that? I have not, I've not checked it. I have not checked since it. Since I made it like six weeks ago um we, who knows there might be a thriving community there is a, i don't, I don't think <laughs> no. there is if you have any questions or comments you can email us travolting podcast at gmail.com you can find me on twitter at jeff w sweeney you can find Stu at Stuart elmore 95 on instagram you can find mark if you want to i love off of diversity okay yeah. <laughs> if you want to be seen uh and then a uh, special thanks to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design. We, we love you, Rebecca. And Michael Van Bodegum Smith for our theme music. We Michael, love you. It's good. Rule. Yeah, it's yeah, good, right? It's really good. It's really yeah. good music. Oh, Michael's so good. Um, yeah, Michael, shout out to you if you're listening. I hope you are. Good job, uh, Michael. Should be playing the music now. Yeah, you're here. you are hearing the oh, music yeah. right now. I'm kind of bopping to this. As we uh, slowly fade out and wish you all a wonderful week. Thank you, folks. Thank you.